Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken. I'm joining me in studio. As always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name, Padawan J. You know, I got a, I got a tale of two cities, a tale of two stories in terms of fantasy football. I got the one fantasy football team. I'm doing great. Well, put up like 150 points on Sunday. I had Dalvin Cook running all over the field for me. I had that game locked up before the four o'clock games were going. On the flip side, I'm, I'm cursed. I, I drafted Dak Prescott to be my starter. Ankle injury, done for the year. Oh, no worries. I got Jimmy Garoppolo as my backup. That should be fine. Injured, put on IR today. Ooh. Holy! So, uh, if you're an Indianapolis Colts fan, I apologize. I put in a waiver claim for Philip Rivers, so he might be next up on the old injury block. Amazing! It's that tail of the tape for the f- football season, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll one up that one. Uh oh! But also joining us in studio, senior sports editor of the ODPH, your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, going down ten points into mm-hmm. Monday Night Football, playing mm-hmm. Tampa Bay's defense. Mm-hmm. Wake up Tuesday morning, down three. Uh oh thinking this sucks i lost seeing that tampa bay did have a couple more defensive points though mm-hmm. scores readjusted get a little note noti as mm-hmm. the kids are saying noti uh from yahoo mm-hmm. i won by point three points yo that is ridiculous That's bonkers. So i am jubilated because now i'm six and two sitting pretty yeah Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of sports, so let's waste no more time, shall we? Join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our accounts at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in on Facebook. Join in on Twitter. Join in on Instagram. Drop a five-star review on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. And wherever you listen to great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now, and always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. Obviously, we are kicking off with the NFL recap, as only we do here on the ODPH, and that is our locks and leaps. Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so I'm going to start with my lock and a low-hanging fruit, but hey, I had to take it. Uh, I chose the Kansas City Chiefs to defeat the Green Bay, or not the Green Bay Packers, uh, the uh, New York Jets. Uh, and Lord have mercy, did they ever, winning by the final score of 35-9. to uh, Patrick Mahomes, 31-42 of 42 for 416 yards passing, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Sam Darnold, 18 of 30 for 133 yards passing, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? Well, my initial thought was I have a little beef with Kansas City right now and their usage of a one Le'Veon Bell. Ah. While we are on the fantasy subject, I had picked up Le'Veon because he got dropped in Ken and I's fantasy league Mm -hmm. and stashed him while I was waiting for him to uh, be used, thinking Mm -hmm. revenge game. Oh, they're going to they're going to just pump the ball to Le'Veon, yeah. or at least give him a garbage, you know, touchdown for something, you know, for some sort of comeuppance to the Jets. Mm-hmm. No, he got six carries, so mm. no help. Thank you, Kansas City, for dogging me on that one. But anyway, uh, I mean, what can you say? This game was a weird game because early on uh, the Jets were were in it, yeah, and then all of a sudden later on down the stretch, you know, especially come the second. Uh, 
you know, second quarter and beyond, the Kansas City just took over, inevitably taking out Patrick Mahomes for Chad Henney and and just riding to the coast for the champ for the, for the win. Yeah, I mean, what can you say about Kansas City? They're a goddamn good football team. Yeah, no, they're a real good football team. And if we needed, as if we didn't, or excuse me, as if we needed more evidence that Patrick Mahomes was a video game creator character, we got more on Sunday with that un- shovel underhanded pass. Ridiculous. Touchdown pass he made to like an offensive lineman. No, it was Kelsey. Yeah, well, it was Kelsey. Oh, was that Kelsey? Yeah. Okay, yeah. He made the underhanded pass to Kelsey for the touch. Like, Jesus H. Christ, what the hell? No, the more impressive ball was the post route to Tyreek Hill. Yeah. The 35-yarder that he threw on yeah. a dime that Tyreek Hill still ran under, still moving his feet, able to still walk into the end zone. That yeah. was like, the, yeah. when I saw that throw, I was like, Damn. Yeah, it took it took the Chiefs a, a little bit to fully get you know get up to speed and you know get all their cylinders clicking with this game because I know that the establishment Ken and I were watching the game and it was on one of the TVs. I turned and looked at one point and I'm like, yeah, the Chiefs are playing this like it's a final walkthrough of, of the week for practice and they're yeah. just they're just having fun. Yeah, they definitely took their time to get going with the Jets. I mean, this wasn't anything I thought they would feel as a trap game by any means. No. But when the Jets are as god-awful as they are, yeah. and let's face it, they, they, are, are. they are arguably the worst team in football. Mm-hmm. Kansas City knew they did not really have to go full out and play. I put it to you this way. Uh, I think the little giants from the movie could beat the Jets. I think so, too. I mean, Mahomes is on a roll again for 416 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, like, what else can you say there? Yeah, yeah. And to look at the rest of the team, I mean, how stacked they are on offense. Oh, my God. And it's ridiculous that Le'Veon Bell was supposed to be his breakout game and did absolutely nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I just I, – I didn't – so I pegged it as at least getting a garbage touchdown. Like, yeah, sure. I do too. I, sure. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at my lineup, you know, and I've got uh, – uh, Williams from uh, the Rams, you know, Connor and, uh, you know, Gurley. So, you know, I'm like sure, looking at my sure. flex and I'm like, oh, Le'Veon's guaranteed a garbage touchdown. Like the, sure. the the Chiefs are going to do this. This is the football locker room. This is the, yeah. you know, you know, we saw what the Jets did to you. We know you want to get your comeuppance. We're going to give you the goal line touch. Sure. And, mm-hmm. But they were never in the goal line, no. except for that Travis Kelsey toss. Well, no. and, I, and I think that pick will pan out for you maybe the, the, this coming week, maybe the week after, because... I don't think he's even been with him for like a full right. Week he's been or so. two, it was two weeks, two yeah. weeks. So he's still learning the system. He's still learning the plays. I it didn't pan out for you this week, but I think in the next couple of weeks it'll pan out in dividends for you. But the point I want to touch on is this receiving core, and I realize it's the Jets, and I realize that you know high school players can do a better job on defense than this uh, this pro team. Mm-hmm. How do you this freaking rec- receiving stat line? Travis Kelsey eight catches for 109 yards. Tyreek Hill four catches for 98. Uh, Nicole Hardman seven catches for 96. Demarcus Robinson four catches for 63. Like holy Christ. And that Hardman was part on the, the shovel pass. Yeah. Yeah. So it's ridiculous to see how stacked they are. I mean, they're just doing this in their sleep. And this was a game that they had no chance of losing whatsoever. The Jets are abysmal, mm-hmm. and there's nothing really else you could say it, positive about them. And I also got the vibe off of it just watching some of the game and catching the highlights. You remember that game we played when we were kids, 500? You catch the ball. You, th- you chuck the football up in the air. You call a point total, and you try and get somebody pe- to catch it and then get the points. Mm-hmm. That felt like what Mahomes was doing here with his receivers. Yeah. Just, just chuck it anywhere, watch him go catch it, and then go score. He was absolutely toying around with him. Well, I mean, all, the Raiders gave you know the quote unquote, and so you know the Pat, the Patriots too, the 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 blueprint, blueprint, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you love using that term, is you got to be able to run the ball in Kansas City. I mean, mm-hmm. that is their. Uh, I don't want to say necessary weakness, but it's definitely um, 
you know, a chip in the chain, you know, mm-hmm. as far as, you know, how you can get to this team. And if you're able to run the ball and be effective, you know, and keep, A, the offense off the field, and, B, keep their defense on the field by getting first downs and, you know, ticking down the clock, you know, you, you can beat this Kansas City team. But if you're, you know, three and out or you're trying to pass the ball and you're ineffective, you're going to give the ball to the offense. And it's just not likely that they're not going to go down on a drive and not at least get three points, Yeah, you exactly. know, if not seven. So. I, I mean, obviously the Jets don't have the bodies or the personnel in order no. to do this, and we'll see where next week takes but hey, the I'll, I'll give the Jets a little bit of a bright spot. You got double digits in first downs. Well, you know. As bad as, as bad as this team is, I didn't know the stat. I had to just pull it up. I would not have been surprised if they had single-digit first downs, but no, they had 13. Small victories. Yeah. But they ultimately are not going anywhere. And if Trevor Lawrence decides to stay back in school at this oh, point, which I, I know is it's a hot rumor. I think he's going to. I, the Jets are going to have to really try to get, to get a wild package in this offseason. I mean, this mm-hmm. is obviously a joke of a team right now. There is no highlight to even talk about with no. them. That they're in for one quarter, and then they disappear. And it's going to be like this the rest of the season. As for Kansas City, this is nothing new. This is no. the blueprint they've been doing, and I don't expect them to slow down anymore. And I know that with Pittsburgh being undefeated, yep. this is the matchup that they have to go match themselves up with down the road. That yeah. Obviously, you we're talking about the two best teams in football. Yeah. And Kansas City, a lot of people are forgetting about because they have that one loss, which, mm-hmm. is, which is wild to me. Like, yeah. That's the point I'm trying to get with. It doesn't really make a sense that everybody's forgetting about them and just ultimately going to Pittsburgh. Kansas City is still your Super Bowl defending champions yep. and are showing no sign of a hangover. Well, that's the awesome thing is I'm looking at the Kansas City schedule. They don't play Pittsburgh this year, so we won't see them play each other until some point in the playoffs. But they do have a matchup against Carolina this weekend. Uh, then they're on a bye in Week 10, and coming out of the bye, they play the Raiders and then Tampa Bay. Well, the Raiders game should be an interesting one. Uh-huh. And then Tampa Bay, well, well, we'll talk about them a little later in the segment. But for Kansas City, though, I'm sure they got the Raiders locked and loaded as a revenge game. Mm-hmm. And speaking of those Raiders, Pat. How about them Raiders? Break it down for us. Yeah, so I chose the Oakland Raiders to defeat the Cleveland Browns because, let's face it, with Cleveland, you don't know who's going to show up this week in terms of whether they're going to be good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and plus, with o- o- Odell Beckham Jr. being down for the year, we didn't really know what they're going to get out of receiving uh, game. So I, I figured this was one the Raiders could scoop up. And they did, uh, winning by the final score of 16 to 6. Derek Carr had uh, 15 of 24 for 112 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. And then Baker Mayfield had 12 of 25 for 122 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? Well, uh, initially, the OBJ, the Browns are better with OBJ talk and stop because mm-hmm. they're not. No. <laughs> and then secondly, um, I, I mean, the Raiders are a pretty good defensive team. I mean, if you are... In you know if they're coming down the wire for a playoff position, and uh, you know you're looking at having to face them, you know in the first round of a wild card division game, I would be a little nervous because mm. if their defense is clicking and playing well, they're going to be able to shut you down. I mean Cleveland's offense has been pretty good for the most part. I mean mm-hmm. obviously they had the hiccup of the game against Pittsburgh, but right. outside of that, you know it's been an average of probably 20 points or more. So, yeah, I, I definitely – this is a great game for Oakland to build on. Offensively, not great, but defensively, another game for them to hang their hats on. Yeah, I'd say nothing real stellar on offense, but you got to look at Josh Jacobs in the running game. 31 carries for 128 yards. Woof. A lot of yards, a lot of carries, though. Yeah. But, I mean, no, it's, it's a good tune-up game for the Raiders. Obviously, Cleveland, you don't know what the bloody hell you're going to get out of them. And your coach mentioned in playoffs, uh, looking at the current seeding, uh, Oakland is currently holding the number 8 seed, and they win the tiebreaker over Miami based on strength of victory. It's an absolute wild thing to see that Las Vegas has been a quiet team under the radar. Yeah. Like, their record doesn't really f- reflect on how their team plays. Yeah. 
They always play hard for Gruden. I gotta give them that. I definitely. I mean, I I've kept an, you know an eye over there. I mean, three fat nerds and our boy Rich over there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's definitely you know, probably yeah. yeah. He's probably talking up the Raiders right now, but it's definitely a team I'm keeping an eye on. As yeah. far as being able, I mean, listen, the the Titans showed that if you have a good defense and you can run the ball, yeah. you can make your way into you know a, a playoff win, maybe two, and a potential conference you know championship game because if you can control the clock, that's nine ten. I mean, that's really yeah. when you talk about the phases of football, you know, you special teams, offense, and defense. Clock management is a fourth. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, college football it doesn't matter as much, but in the NFL, if you can take away time yeah. by getting first downs effectively by running the ball. You control games. I mean, look at the Giants Super Bowl yeah, wins. Yeah. Possession the time of possession was three to one almost mm-hmm. in both those games. Yeah. So if the Raiders can continue to get Josh Jacobs going and not have to rely so much on Derek Carr, which I mean I like Derek Carr. I just don't think he is a elite level quarterback. Mm-hmm. They're definitely a playoff team for oh, yeah. sure. They're, and they're very scrappy, you know, their records four and three and some of the notable teams they've beaten, obviously Kansas City we talked about a couple weeks ago, but then in week two they did beat uh the New Orleans Saints. You know, and and they've got losses to uh, New England, Buffalo, and then the uh, Buccaneers. So they're battle tested. So they might not go in real flashy or real sexy, but they're gonna make, if they get in the playoffs, they're gonna scrap and, and might cause a few upsets. I think that's what they want to look forward to because obviously they have a very solid team all around. I mean, Josh, Josh Jacobs, if you can get him rolling, you're definitely gonna win some games. Mm-hmm. And to keep the opposing teams off the field as in the Kansas City offenses of the world, the Baltimore's, the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's, you're going to have to run effectively if you're going to be doing anything in the playoffs. I'm not so much worried about Baltimore's offense anymore. But. Well, <laughs> we'll get into that, like I said, a little bit later in the show. But you have to think, though, with o- – or I want to say Oakland so much. It's yeah, you were doing so good to that You were doing fine, yeah. yeah. It's just so weird to say Vegas. It mm-hmm. is a little odd. Yeah. But for Vegas, though, they've definitely been scrapping. And for Cleveland, you almost want to say they're the new Atlanta because we don't know who we're going to get each week yeah, out of Yeah, well, them. I mean, the thing with Cleveland, and we've talked about this, is, yeah, the, you know, they've got all the talent in the world, and you can name, you know, the the Pro Bowl-level talent and all, you know, all pro talent that they have offensively and defensively. Miles Garrett's played, you know, like a man possessed mm-hmm. since, you know, the debacle last year. So he's, you know, playing out of his mind. Um, and I think the biggest thing is, though, is that, you know, all those people said that Odell, you know, you take him away and, you know, the, the Baker Mayfield's going to play better. But I ultimately think that with OBJ out, you mm-hmm. know, and fully out, you know, teams can game plan for that and yeah. make adjustments yeah. and yeah. shut down the run. Yeah. And that's the thing that was helping uh, Cleveland so much was teams were having to prepare for Odell and Jarvis Landry that they were able to get the run going. And when uh, – in you know, I feel like I'm repeating myself here, like I said, with Oakland and all these other teams. When you can run the ball, mm-hmm. you know, effectively, like Kansas or like Cleveland was doing, you know, those weeks that they've won, yeah. um, then it opens up things for Baker Mayfield in the play action. I mean, listen, God, I'm uh, the Giants fan here. I know what the bread and butter for all those years with Eli Manning was. It yeah. was run right, run left, run right, run left, play action. Mm. And that play action was always open because so yeah. teams were so worried about Jacobs and 
and uh, you know the running backs coming at him that you know eventually you had to stop the run, you had to commit to it, which left one on one coverage on the outside. So in this scenario with OBJ, it's the same thing. You know they can pound the ball, Kareem Hunt. You know left, right, left, right, and then play action or one run of their little trick plays, and all the attention will go to the running backs. And then oh, here comes Odell on a reverse. Yeah, nobody's prepared for that. And now without that playmaking yeah. dynamic, yeah. it is limiting what teams have to worry about, and they're able to dial in on the run, which is now killing the offense. Yeah, that's. I was just going to say that because you think about it, OBJ not being there, all of a sudden you in, in Oakland's got. From all appearances, got a pretty decent secondary, you know, over there. Not Oakland, L.A. Not even L.A. Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> LV. Catching everybody. LV. You know, Vegas has got a clearly pretty decent secondary there, so they didn't have to worry about the receiving game because no disrespect to Jarvis Landry, but like I'm looking at the folks who got stats for receiving, nobody's exactly striking fear in me as the oh shit he burned me and he's already 20 yards, you know, deep here. You know, so you can just kind of focus all your all your front end guys and your linebackers and your safeties on. All right, just make sure the running back doesn't get going on us. Well, that's the point and to take away from this. I mean, obviously, without OBJ in that lineup, that wide receiver core looks average at best. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harrison Bryant and Rashard Higgins are not really scaring anybody. No, it, it is what it is. The Joku, you don't know what you're going to get out of him each week. Yeah, you know, Riggs, Riggs caught some. They caught him. You yeah. know, they they were sleeping last week, and he was able to get off some big catches. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, that was a team that was prepared for OBJ, you know, who mid-game adjustments like that are extremely difficult at the pro level that even if, you know, Odell gets hurt, let's just say in the first quarter even, to make an adjustment, yeah, you have halftime, but to make an adjustment on the fly midway through a quarter is difficult. So Riggs mm-hmm. was ca- caught him sleeping and was able to get a touchdown. I mean, yeah. you're not going to see that every week. You no. Know? no, you're definitely not. So for Cleveland moving forward, they got to figure something out and figure and, out and something I think, quick. And I think they're going to have a little bit of a benefit for that because they are on a bye this coming week. So they'll have some extra time to figure out what they're going to do in game plan a little bit better. Well, they're going to need to if they want to make that final playoff push. Because well, like coming out of the bye, they've got Houston, Philly, Jacksonville, and Tennessee. Those are some winnable games. Yeah, legitimately absolutely. winnable. So if Cleveland wants to get that playoff push, and I mean they're right now in the thick of things, they just need to make some minor adjustments and find out whether their identity is going to be post OBJ. Mm-hmm. Because now it's rumored that he won't be returning next season. Yep, yep. And for the Browns, I don't exactly know what to make of that move moving forward. I mean, we got to get through this season first and see what you got. They're not going to be in the playoffs, but I think they might try and play spoiler for a few folks. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it at this stage, but yeah. unless they pull a, a hell of a run right now. It's going to be very tough for them to get in. Mm-hmm. Yep. But we got to flip it now to Coach's Lock of the Week because his uh, leap was actually the Raiders as well. Yep. Yeah. No, well, that's because I'm smart. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Except for my leaps that are not smart. Uh, I had the Falcons uh, going up against the Panthers. I picked the Panthers mm-hmm. as they were the favorites on Thursday night, short week. Yep. Uh, advantage home team. And not so much. Uh, Ken, uh, Pad, go ahead. Yeah, so the Atlanta Falcons ended up winning by the final score of 25-17. to 17. Uh, Matt Ryan, 21 of 30 for 281 yards passing. No touchdowns, one interception. Uh, and then Teddy Bridgewater, 15 of 23 for 176 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. We have listeners in Atlanta, and I wonder if some of them are Matt Ryan and company, which I always hear about you saying, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Then burn and, it down. And this could be a revenge game, I think. I think well, this is all tying into the show. No, I mean, honest to God. I so I watched this game and the Carolina offense is awful. Awful. Yeah, like, I'm looking at stats. Yeah, I don't understand 
how they were able to do the things that they were able to do in the weeks prior. I mean, they put up points on the Saints. Mm-hmm. They had put up points in another like another game. Uh, I know the Bears obviously shut them down, but that's the goddamn Bears. You yeah. know, I mean, the yeah. Bears. They, you know, they play defense there. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you know, here I am thinking, all right, Atlanta's defense is good, but not great. And you know, their offense can also not show up. So, and Carolina's defense is supposed to be good. I don't understand. I don't yeah. get it. But I, the one thing that I walked away from this is, as much as I think Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback or a okay quarterback, he is not what everybody tries to make him no. seem to be. Because he missed. No. I mean, I know he got hurt, but he missed some throws. And the fact that your backup quarterback, you know, for Carolina, is you know a former AAF, uh, you know, PJ Walker. Out of West Virginia, you know, or out of Ruck or uh, Temple, I'm yep. sorry, where rule coached. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Go out and get an actual backup quarterback. Like, no disrespect to Walker. I mean, they came in and he slang a ball, you know, that was just slightly overthrown by um, by Moore, who you know kind of ran one of those fly routes, a little Mario Manningham style, where yeah. he didn't give his quarterback any room to throw it, you know, because he ran too close to the out of bounds. Um, but still, like. There are other quarterbacks out there I feel like you can get right now to back up Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. And you got P.J. Walker? I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely good game for Atlanta. You know, you look at uh, Julio Jones, seven catches, 137 yards, no touchdowns. Good to see he was still alive. Yeah, yeah. but you look at the – Coach brought up the stats. Their Carolina's leading rusher was Mike Davis, 13 carries for 66 yards, no touchdowns. Their second leading rusher was Teddy Bridgewater, who had five carries for 30 yards. You flip it over to the receiving, DJ Moore had two catches for 55 yards. He was their leading receiver. Uh, Robbie Anderson was second with five catches for 48 yards. This offense had absolutely nothing going for him. You know, and I don't, I don't want to chalk this up to. Uh, to Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. either. Like I don't. I don't think that he adds anything to this offense to the point where they're better, even. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, I just and, don't see it. And to your point where about Bridgewater, you know, being an okay quarterback, I he, I think part of what made him look real good and real sexy coming out of New Orleans was the pieces around him. I agree with you. You look at the receiving core he had in New Orleans, including the running game he had in New Orleans, plus with the play calling, and, and let's face it, New Orleans play calling is about second to none these days. That makes you look real sexy. That, that'll make any car look bright and shiny. It's almost a case of it's not the player, it's the system. Uh-huh. And I fully think that is with Bridgewater because we've seen him throughout his NFL career have highs and lows. Yeah. And obviously in the Saints system, he flourished. Mm-hmm. So everybody thought he was going to be the next big thing to take over the quarterback position for Carolina. And obviously we're not seeing that. We're not seeing enough consistency to really say, okay, he's the number one there. Right. And he's the team to get him over the hump. Well, he better be the number one. They signed him for three years, 25 mil. Oh, I, I grant you, but I'm not doubting that they go out and get somebody in the offseason and give him some competition, whether it's a draft pick or somebody. I fully think they're going to have to because we're seeing games like this, which, let's face it, Atlanta is garbage. Atlanta's they, garbage. And I'm, lo- I mean, just to jump in, I'm looking at the stats because I was kind of curious. Uh, with uh, the team defense, Atlanta's towards the bottom of the league, having given up 3,285 yards. Yeah, they're nothing to be worried about. And no. for the level of talent they have on the team, this is one of those games where the Atlanta offense actually showed up for one week. Uh-huh. Matt Ryan actually looked like Matt Ryan of old. Yep. And Julio Jones, thank you for returning to the NFL. Where have you been this time? This is one of those scenarios that Carolina definitely showed that they are not one of those elite teams in the league. No. They showed they were a bad team, and Atlanta took full advantage of it. 
So you have to go, okay, where do we go from here? For Carolina, yeah, you're missing Christian McCaffrey, but still. I don't think it would have made that big of a difference. It would have made that much of a difference. No. You have too many problems on your offense to really say, okay, him being out this season is is the reason why we're not in the playoffs. No. Well, he was activated off the designated return list. Right. So it's only it's pending time right now. Sure. It's a matter of time. Sure. But even if he comes in, it's he might win no. a couple games here and there, but, but. listen, the way the, the Bridgewater takes away from his ability to be able to do anything, especially mm-hmm. without I mean, and the wide receivers have played better than what you would expect their level to be. Yeah. But yeah, they're just he's not great. I'll say yeah, no, he's not great. And then you look at with with Carolina, they got to figure his shit out quick. Yeah, uh, because this coming week they play a little team called Kansas City in Kansas City. Yeah, good we- luck with that. Week after that, they got to play Tampa Bay. Uh, then they play Detroit. They play Minnesota uh, at the end of November. Bye week and week thirteen. Coming out of the bye at the end of the year, they've got to play both Green Bay in Green Bay and then New Orleans. So I think right now they're just be playing for draft picks. Uh-huh. I mean that's that's the honest way to put it. For Carolina, you have a lot of questions. For so Atlanta, Carolina is about to be torched. Yeah, for Atlanta, who is Atlanta? Burn it down. Exactly. One game is not exactly saying things are going to turn around. No. And obviously, the stat lines don't say the true Atlanta. And let's be honest about mm-hmm. that. There's nothing on this team that actually scares you for a team moving forward. Whatever's going to happen this offseason with them is going to be anybody's guess. But still, this is the same old Atlanta. You just took advantage of a worse team. Enough said. Uh-huh. So that being said, we're going to get a quick breakout, and we're going to actually be playing a promo from our friends over at Stranger Damies, who are going to be taking part in the Extra Life Challenge on Twitch this weekend. Uh-huh. So they're going to be raising some money doing a streamathon Saturday, November 7th, starting, I believe, at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in the morning, 24 hours, raising money for the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So I'm going to let them take it away, and we'll be right back on the ODPH podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tom Schuster from the Game Ball Podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about Extra Life. On Saturday, November 7th, we'll be participating in Extra Life Day, a worldwide 24-hour game marathon initiative helping to raise money for the Children's Miracle Network. Starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we'll be playing video games for 24 hours straight, and you can watch us stream it live on twitch.tv slash gameballpod. We'll be playing retro games, new classics, party games, and even more. Come join the fun and help us make this the best Extra Life yet. Want to help even more? Drop a donation on our donation page at tinyurl.com slash extralife, the number five. Every little bit helps and all proceeds benefit the Children's Miracle Network. The donation page stays up until midnight on December 31st, so even if you can't join us live, you can donate anytime you want. Once again, Saturday, November 7th, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash gameballpod and tinyurl.com slash extralife5 for the donations. Thank you. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Come 
Welcome back for part two of Locks and Leaps on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And it's my turn to break down my picks. And uh, definitely my lock was an upset. Mm-hmm. I have a lot to say about it. But, Pad, why don't you break down those stat lines? Yeah, so uh, you chose the L.A. Rams to defeat the Miami Dolphins, uh, which did not happen, shockingly. Uh, the Miami Dolphins won by the final score of 28-17. to Tua had uh, 12 of 22 for 93 yards passing, uh, one touchdown, no interceptions. And then Jared Goff had 35 of 61 for 355 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? Well, two things. One, strap the MVP to Tua because, I mean, 12 of 22 (laughs) for 93 yards, you know, is MVP caliber, Uh, you know, next coming. Uh, Secondly, what the hell, Los Angeles? What the shit? Hot garbage. I mean, my God. I mean, the defense that you boast. Now, I mean, listen, the 28 points obviously wasn't all Miami's offense. No, no. They scored... What two defensive touchdowns and special teams? At so least. I mean, like that's that's tough to come back from. But still, I mean, I I don't understand. I mean, you know, McAvey, you know, went all in. You know, letting Brandon Cooks go, mm-hmm. opting for Woods and Cup. Uh, you know, Higby, Higby. Yeah, Higby. Higby. You know, they they you know invested in those guys. Yeah. Um, you know, they have uh running back by committee. Um, you know, the letting Gurley go, which mm-hmm. you know probably longevity wise was the right plan. You know, money wise saved a little bit off of that. And I mean, your offense is not great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That if that's the thing that's holding this team back. I mean, when you talk defensively, I mean, you can't. And, you know, Donald and Ramsey. You know, yeah. they've got all these pieces yeah. defensively. Yeah. This team shouldn't be losing games like this. No. Regardless of the fact that yes, you scored. You know, you gave up two offensive defensive touchdowns in Miami. You still should have enough firepower. You know, when you throw for three hundred and fifty-five yards, and I said that you would only have one touchdown. I said you're nuts. You you'd say that what yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, so. That's that's a problem, and I mean, they gotta address it. I don't know what they need to do. You know, if it's whether they next off season, because obviously trade deadline is today. You know, if they need to get a playmaker yes. of some sort of yes. caliber, but they yes. need to address the running back position, and they need to go out and get a legitimate number one. Mm-hmm. No, I agree a hundred percent with you. I I think you cannot put this loss on the defense because, like you said. They gave up one passing touchdown and one rushing touchdown. That's about par for the course for that defense with all the stout guys they got on defense there. The, this offense, I don't want to say it's anemic, but they don't have an identity. You have a, you have your quarterback in Jared Goff. You are sticking with him. And, yeah, he, he had a he had a good game, 355 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Okay, that'll happen, you know, every couple of weeks or whatever. But you look at the rushing game, you know, their leading rusher was Daryl Henderson Jr., eight carries for 47 yards. Malcolm Brown, 10 carries for 40 yards. Cam Akers, 9 for 35. Uh, and then Robert Woods, 2 for 9. There's not a guy on that team that I'm looking at that, like, all right, that's your go-to guy. The, here's your power back that, like, you're close. You're on second and one, second and three. On the goal line, this is the guy that you go, you put in there to punch him in the mouth and punch the ball in. You flip it over to the receiving court. I won't read all of them, but you Cooper Cup, 11 catches for 110. Robert Woods, 7 for 85. Josh Reynolds, 4 for 44. Gerald... Uh, Gerald Everett, five for thirty-two. Like I'm, and you go down the list. There's not a guy on there that is like, okay, that's your deep threat guy. Here's your slot guy. There's, there's n- nobody on that team that is just standing out as like identities. 
Do you want to hit him with a sounder before I go off on this one? Yep. So uh, the thoughts, views, and opinions upcoming are that of Ken M. and do not necessarily reflect that of the ODPH, that being uh, Coach Duffy or myself. Uh, listener discretion is advised. For anybody drinking that Kool-Aid about Tua, get out of here. And we know somebody who is. Oh, I know a, a listener who is very much so anointing him the next coming of Dan Marino. Look, let me break something down to you. The only reason that your team was actually in this game is because Jared Goff had a career first half to forget for the rest of his life. Uh huh. Two interceptions, one fumble that was ran back for a touchdown, and a kickoff return that was ran back. The only reason that Tua actually was notable of being in this game because he didn't have to do anything. His first half stat line, I believe, was 5 for 11. Yep. So how is he supposed to be better than Ryan Fitzpatrick at this stage? He's not. He's not. So Miami... You can try pushing Tua as the next big thing, but let's face it. You've done that 22 other times. Yes, and you are going to absolutely ruin this kid going long-term if you keep trying to say that, okay, he's the reason you won this game. You didn't. You won it because Jared Goff had a career abysmal performance in that first half that they couldn't dig a hole out of from. Mm -hmm. The fact that I believe at the halftime score was, what, 28-7? to Uh, 28-10. to 28-10. So... They were technically still in this game. Yeah. So how can you say that you definitely had a dominating performance in any which way, shape, or form? You didn't. So you put up 28 points in the first half and goose eggs in the second. Exactly. So how is Tua driving the ball down the field? How is he supposed to be the next big thing? How do you justify this? And I know the argument that we heard that Tua was starting because they had to evaluate their draft picks. Well, hold on, because I'm going to play devil's advocate, because I actually, that makes sense to me. I mean, you're looking at, you know, if this team, let's say they go they go 10 and 6, mm-hmm. you know, Fitzpatrick only signed a one-year deal. Right. You know, so he leaves next year. So now you're coming off of a uh you know, a great year where you're a playoff contender, you know, obviously you fizzle out and lose in the first round cuz let's face it, they're not you know, going to make any headway in the in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, so you lose. Now you bring in two in next year to start as a, you know, second year uh first round pick that sat out his entire first year and he does terrible so now you have taken one step forward to take two steps back and now instead of being in the sweepstakes for justin fields um for uh you know uh, that guy out of clemson who i will not speak his name for the rest of the week that dude Mm -hmm. um you know in his california boy haircut you know uh you know yeah um no just riddle now uh, yeah. you know, you have, you have him coming out, you know, so you've got, you know, you've got guys in positions where, um, you know, if two is not the guy, you have to go be able to make a play and make a move on. They have Houston's first round pick in their back pocket. So they would be able to, you know, leverage their pick plus theirs to maybe move up to land, you know, one of those two gentlemen. Yeah. And I don't blame them for it because the, the quarterback class coming out next year is, you know, if all things considered, all of them do come out is a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback group. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that, but I guess here would be my argument to go against it. I mean, I, I fully respect your point. About no, that. and I get where you're going to come from because if you have a chance to make the playoffs, you go for it. Exactly. Yep. You have it. You all. You went in on Tua, and if he is supposed to be the face of your franchise moving forward, you want him to sit there and learn as much time as he can, a la Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Aaron Rodgers was totally that. It, 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 no, but here's here's where my comparison is: that Tua is still coming off a very bad injury. Sure, that, right. So the more time you can give him reps behind somebody 
that is an adequate quarterback, and I'm just saying adequate. I'm not saying he's great. Right, but we're not going to compare him to Favre here. No, absolutely not, because Fitzpatrick at least knows the game, and he can yeah. kind of give him the ins and outs. So you want to give him enough time to make sure he's 100% fully healed before you thrust them into the Lions. But you are also in the position to make the playoffs. You play to win the game. You don't play for the next year's draft, which you never know what you're going to get. And and and, and right, and to play devil's advocate to that, I mean, I – Watched the Giants last year have you know a veteran quarterback in you know Eli Manning sitting in front of their high you know first round draft pick of Daniel Jones you know and inevitably made the switch you know after the Dallas game Mm -hmm. and it was the same assessment we know what we have in Eli and obviously he was our franchise quarterback but he is not going to be the long term plans because he is going to retire right we need to know what we have in Daniel Jones because even this draft class you know with uh you know Herbert and and um. You know, guys like that, and Tua. You know, there was guys in this draft that the Giants could have gotten um, that they needed to know whether what they had in Daniel Jones was the guy or not. Because Arizona has given you know this new uh, feeling of if you don't fucking like the guy you drafted the year before, just throw him out and do it again. See, I think the difference with between the Giants and now the Dolphins is is with the Giants at least you did you knew you were going to make the playoffs. Right. But looking at the playoffs, like I mentioned earlier, Miami's in ninth place, but that's because. Uh, Oakland wins the tiebreaker over based on strength of victory. Sitting up ahead of Oakland, not Oakland, the uh, Vegas is the Cleveland Browns, yeah. who are sitting there at five and three. So they're one win ahead of Miami and and the Raiders. I don't. I can very well foresee Cleveland going on a slide here because let's face it. After what we saw this week sure. with the, with the Browns, we don't know what the hell we're going to get out of them. Exactly. So they're they're going to go on a slide. So if we do the simple moving stuff up, Raiders move up to seven, Dolphins move up to eight. So I I and I think the smart thing would be to have Tua sit behind Fitzpatrick because yes he is no Brett Favre he is he's not one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time but he's a pretty damn good one he's been in the league for 15 years you obviously know something if you're if you're out of Harvard and you've been in the league for 15 Preach. years well you know so he's a very good quarterback to sit there and learn and pick his brain and learn some ins and outs that you might not normally know and if you're sitting like Miami. One win away from being in the playoff picture, why the hell would you switch? And that's my argument about this, that I think that I understand you want to evaluate uh, draft picks, and if you want to try going Arizona, listen, how many times does lightning strike twice in the NFL? That's the debate. But that's the thing, though, is that they could have leveraged that Miami pick plus the Houston pick because the Houston pick is going to be a top 10 pick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they could have been in position for one of those two guys. I mean, even after them, there are guys in this draft class that are going to be adequately decent quarterbacks that let's just say to a pan, you know, bombs out. Let's just say worst case scenario. All right. Let's just say worst case scenario. They don't play, they, they ride Fitzpatrick all the way to the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. So now that, you know, potential top 15 pick that they would have had because they didn't make the playoffs now falls to the, you know, 18, 19th pick. All right. Mm-hmm. The Houston one stays in the top 10. So they say, all right, we've got two of this year. So they go out and get defensive tackle, blah, blah, blah. And then with the 20th pick, they flip it for secondary number seven, you know, blah, 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 you know? So they go out and they address some defensive positions. Mm -hmm. Then they come back next year, and now Tua is the full-time starter with no years under experience, and now he's going to lead this team that just made the playoffs into the season that, let's just say, he has a bad year. Let's just say he bombs out. Oh, man, Tua is terrible. Can't see the field, can't read a defense, just doesn't, you know, was a college quarterback only. Ryan Leaf, right? Yeah. Now... Not only did you miss out on Justin Fields, the blonde bomber out of uh, you know 
I can't even say the school right now. Riddle. Yeah. You know, you miss out on him. And now you're sitting here and you missed out. You didn't take any quarterbacks last year. And now what do you what are you left with the year after? Because the year after's draft class, the the, the juniors right now. And again, this is a COVID year, so a lot of things are up in the air for college right now. But let's just say you know Lawrence and these guys go this year. Next year's quarterback class is not very good. Right. It's and a, now you're toast. It's a crapshoot, no matter what you want to do. But I think the safe money is you're in contention this year. I mean, I understand what you're saying about playing for next year and in the future. Well, you're not. It's not that you're playing for the future. It's all right. We made an investment in this pick. We got to figure out our shit because we don't want to be in a position where you know we draft the guy and now he's our guy and now we're stuck because next year. There's some really good talent coming. There's some good talent, but you don't know. I mean, obviously, it depends on how they pan out. Yeah, you, sure. you, you would say probably the safest money is uh, Trevor Riddle from in the South. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at the fact that let's look at let's look at Green Bay. All mm-hmm. right, you you have a franchise changing, game changing quarterback still in Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What do you what do you 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 draft Jordan Love? Mm-hmm. Who's now just riding the pine pony? Mm-hmm. All right. So let's say Aaron goes. You know, and I don't know his contract situation, but let's just say, for the sake of my argument, yeah, he's a free agent this year. So he leaves because he's like, you know what? I'm sick of the bullshit here. I've been dealing with it for the last five years, and I'm tired of it. I'm gone. Now Jordan loves your quarterback. You you've missed out on Fields. You missed out on Lawrence, and now you're sitting here with Jordan Love, who you have no idea what you're going to get, and that's your starting quarterback. But that's also the risk you take drafting a high quarterback in the first round. Well, again, though, their situations are different because Green Bay has a franchise quarterback oh, I, ahead of Love. And I, I grant you that, but that's what I'm saying with Miami, though, looking at their situation, this is what happens when you draft a high quarterback. I guess the difference would be, and now the, the team just popped in my head, Kansas City. Yeah. Because that they had Alex Smith, who they were very happy with, mm-hmm. had led them deep into the playoffs, you know, then the following year, I'm pretty sure that they had either made it to the AFC the championship, yeah, they made it to the game, championship game, and then they drafted Mahomes the next yeah. year because yeah. they had the 13th pick. Yeah. Um. So I guess that comes to mind as far as a team that you know has not a quote unquote franchise guys because let's say Alex Smith was never you know he was never the a franchise, franchise guy, guy yeah. you know and and they saw something in Mahomes and they sat him the year mm-hmm. and then made another deep run that year they made it to the second round of the playoffs I believe and then lost um so then let Alex Smith go hand the reins over to Mahomes so I guess there is the yin and yang. I just I I what Miami did I get and I I would have probably done the same move. To your point with uh, Aaron Rodgers, I looked up his contract. He is under contract with the Packers technically through the 2023 season, but he does have a potential out uh, in tw- after the 2021 season. So like I say, there's a lot of areas that they could go with. And coach, I I do see your point. I'm yeah. not saying I'm not saying there's a right. Oh, or wrong. I know that I have a point. Yeah. I'm just saying to you as well. I I am. We are on opposite sides of the coin here because yeah. if I'm Miami and I'm seeing I'm long terming this, I'm not microing. Yeah, see, I'm microing because I'm going to win now. I'm not. I'm, I've said I've already kind of committed to two of when I burned my pick last year in the first round. I guess my problem is is that I have seen now the Giants fledge 
fledgling moving along this franchise by band-aid after band-aid after band-aid instead of the long-term rebuild but that's the problem though you have Gettleman as your GM and then that's I that's mean, all that's all a different ball of wax it's not even just that I mean Jerry Reese was the same way it yeah. was just bandage over bandage over bandage that you know inevitably left this team in the position that they're in now and I mean Miami was like that before with you know going out and getting a you know greasy after Marino retired and then yeah. going out and getting uh you know Tannehill and having him be and then you know they go out and they got um oh, Pennington. Pennington. You know, so they've always tried to bandage the quarterback position without inevitably finding the the guy. And I think Tua's going to be fine. I mean, you're getting your feet wet against a very good defense. I just you got to know what you got. No, I, I will give you that, but I think that it would have been more beneficial for him to sit behind Fitzpatrick while he had the hot hand. That I yeah. don't think that his play warranted a pull. And I think that this is going to come back to haunt Miami long term, and I'm completely happy with it being a Buffalo Bills fan. Sure, sink that battleship in the middle of the ocean for all I care. I just, I mean, and on the flip side too, I mean, let's just say, all right, they, you know, they stay hot, and all of a sudden they're, you know, seven and seven at one point. Sure, but then they lose the next two games, so they are out of the playoffs, and you played Fitzpatrick the entire year. But it's a, it's a crapshoot you take. But if you're just saying you're going to forget your rest of your season, I, I just think that that is a bad look. In my opinion, it's just it's a bad look. I do. I think the problem was the timing. Oh, yeah. Coming off of a very good Fitzpatrick performance. Like, let's flip it to the Chargers with Herbert. You Mm -hmm. know, Tyrod Taylor has that terrible, you know, awful injury, freak freak injury. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, uh, know, team doctor accidentally, you know, needled. Yeah, too far. And now you make the call to Herbert. He has, uh, and Tyrod had played decent, but not great up until that point. Right. Herbert comes out and puts on a tremendous performance. You know, um, I think that was against Kansas City, right? If I'm not wrong, I, I think I'm wrong. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, somebody yeah. puts on a great. No, Tampa Bay was the following. Oh, following week. week, I'm sorry. Kansas City was the first game. Puts on a tremendous oh, game. Right. Yep. Tre- look great. Then you know Tyrod has the week. Oh, he might play, he might not. They give the nod to Herbert. Then after the Tampa Bay game, no, he's our guy. You know, so that was a little bit different because injury played a factor. Right, sure. Fitzpatrick played great, so maybe if Fitzpatrick had played like you know, if he played, if he bombed out like we talked about in the preseason yeah. show, yeah, then I have no problem making this move. My my, my argument is, you're in the playoff spot. Yeah. See, I would I would have understand it if if Miami would have read, read, rode with Fitzpatrick and then come to a game where he's just playing like absolute dog shit. Sure. And gone, you know, gone. You know what? We De- got December we, Fi- De- December Fitzpatrick. Yeah. You, you know, you, all right. You know, hey, we got to pull you. They put in Tua because hey, let's. Face it, he's going to be better than whatever the hell we were getting with Fitzpatrick. Tua comes in and just starts slinging the ball all over the yard. Looks like a million bucks. Looks like the number one draft pick that, that every Miami fan ever dreamed he would be. And then stuck with him and be like, "All right, I get this. that's easier to swallow." Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. With no, you. I, that makes sense. But the, but the problem is for where they are right now at this moment in time, it was a bad move. And if this is supposed to be your, your messiah, I'm sorry, change religions because you know what? I didn't see anything out of him. I really mean, say that. let's. I mean, listen, that was. I mean. That was a very when Kansas, when Herbert came out and played Kansas City, that was a complete shock to Kansas City. They had no idea what the Chargers' offense was going to look like with Herbert behind the helm. Totally different. Mm-hmm. Tua, they were prepared for. They knew kind of what was to yeah. expect. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Rams were prepared. Let's just say it like that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think Tua will be all right. And I loved, I don't know if you guys saw the pregame show, the ESPN special that they talked about left-hand quarterbacks. Blew my mind. Some fun facts in that little it'll be some tidbit. Fun, it'll be some fun, fun facts, but still, I think, though, for everybody that was touting him to be the next big thing, let's let's wait and see first and temper the expectations. 
And I think that also, who was the last great Alabama quarterback to be uh, in the pros under <laughs> like under Saban? And then uh, even so, I mean, nobody. Yeah, Joe Namath. Well, he wasn't under Saban. Yeah, exactly. But, I'm I mean, he was Alabama the last history. good Alabama quarterback. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Let's, let's face it too, because you know what? Now he's going to have some tests coming up because he's got the Cardinals, the Chargers, and the Broncos, and then maybe. Oof. Yeah. Oof. So like, let's yeah. tough slate. Yeah. Man. So let's see. I mean, obviously he might be able to sneak past the Chargers because they can't hold a lead to save oh, their life. Fucking a. Oh, and look at the end of the year. Uh, end of the year, they've got Kansas City, New England, the Raiders, and Buffalo. Yeah. So Thanks. all right, we'll, we'll see if it's to a time or a time to get your watch changed. And as for the Rams, look, Jared Goff he had the worst first half in history. If he didn't do that, they would have won that game. Sure. Yeah, enough said. I, I don't mm-hmm. even have anything. I'm too fired up now. But, hey, let's go to a better game Yeah, that was the Battle of the AFC North. Mm-hmm. Who is the Kings of the North, Pad? Uh, that would appear to be the Pittsburgh Steelers at this point, who are sitting at 7-0 and after defeating the Baltimore Ravens by the final score of 28-24. to Ben Roethlisberger had 21 of 32 for 182 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Lamar Jackson, 13 of 28 for 208 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? Yeah, Baltimore's in trouble. Uh-huh. That's, I mean... I'll start with the negative and then go with the positive of Pittsburgh, but Baltimore's in trouble. Offensively, they are anemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was the bread and butter of the run game now is nothing. Uh, you know, there's also uh, internal struggle in the locker room right now with uh, Hollywood Brown, you know, potentially yeah. uh, putting something on Twitter that was later deleted. I didn't get to see the whole thing, but, yeah, so that's going on. Um, and just their in- inability to run the ball, which was their strength last year. I mean – not the again quote unquote blueprint, but I mean Tennessee definitely showed a way that you can limit you know and force um, Lamar Jackson to have to throw the ball. And I mean I don't want to be that guy. I I don't want to be that guy and say yeah you know he's a running quarterback, but he's not Michael Vick back there. No, you know where no. Michael Vick was able to sling it and a- had accuracy and and had pip on the ball. I mean. It's it's a problem, and Bal- it's a big problem because when teams like Pittsburgh get up on them and are able to shut them down on yeah, the run, yeah. you got to be able to go out there and make plays. I mean, that's the stuff that Mahomes does. That's the stuff that mobile quarterbacks have to be able to do is make a play with their arm, and I just don't think he can do it. No, I th- I think it's another case, and I think I might have mentioned this, you know, on the pre uh, preseason show or you know before the season preview show. Uh, I think it's a case of yeah, Lamar Jackson had a great year last year. Uh, he had one thousand two hundred and six yards rushing last year, but I think it's a case of all of a sudden teams had a lot of footage to study and, and figure out in game plan, and they figured them out. So it's like you see in baseball, yeah, a guy get, you know comes into the majors or goes to a new team and goes on a you know you don't got a lot of tape on him. And he goes on a hot streak. He starts hitting the cover off the ball and smashing home runs and bringing guys in and all this, that, and the other. But then you get the tape on him, and then the pitchers and, and the coaching staff figure him out. And the same could be said for football. You know, comes in, how the hell we guard this guy? How What, what, what are we going to do? Then they get the tape. They figure it out. He's got to figure out a way to overcome that and adjust for that and beat them, and so far he's not doing it. No, they're definitely struggling there, which is really odd to see. Mm-hmm. That for Baltimore, who's always been a class act organization, to see breaks in the armor, so to speak, mm-hmm. this is a mid-level warning sign. They're not as dynamic as they were last year. No, and I think that, Pad, you hit the nail right on the head, that teams are figuring out Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And if you can stop him from running and you try getting him to become a, a passing quarterback more so, mm-hmm. then you really are making Baltimore work for points that I don't think that they've been accustomed to doing since Flacco was there. Maybe. And I'll just kind of make that point that I think that 
they don't have that pocket presence. And I'm not meaning this in a slight to the Ravens in any way, shape, or form. No, you hate to say it because it feels like such the low, yeah. you know, just cliche bullshit, but it's just goddamn it's, factual. It's facts. I mean, that's the one thing that it's scary to say. So for Lamar Jackson, you have to really learn to become a passing quarterback in a short amount of time because if teams are now figuring you out, and we all knew this happens eventually because the NFL is a copycat league. Right. Mm-hmm. So one team sees how to do something, trust me, everybody else is. Well, the moment Tennessee laid that schlacking when yeah. everybody was like, oh, this is Baltimore's to run away with. And then all of a sudden, you know, they showed that, hey, we're up 14, you know, and, and time's running out because they're dominating time possession. Lamar, it's on you. You got to throw the ball. And I mean, I watched the second half of that game, and their passing offense was bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very anemic. And I think this is one of the biggest knocks he had coming out of of college. He wasn't a passing quarterback. Well, that's why. I mean, that's what everybody said. Yeah. That's why he gave the you know the the when he threw for the three hundred yards that week. What like one or two, and you know he gave yeah. the oh you know I'm a I'm a run, I'm only a running quarterback you know and he gave that slight. I mean I get where you're coming from, but I mean you gotta be able to do it long term, and it's just the body of work is not there that would back it up. No, it's definitely not. And the year Hollywood Brown complaining about lack of touches, that's that's not good. That's no. something you don't hear about from Baltimore. And trust me, they will address that very quickly. Oh yeah, so, Harbaugh is not going to let that go. He's not going to let that go. And plus, they just signed Des Bryant. Like, yeah. let's not forget that. Yeah. He, <laughs> even though Des at this age, I'm sure everybody said you know he might be off a step. He still be adequate enough for that well, offense. What I like about that signing, if we're going to dive into that, is sure Des has an ability of getting open, and I think will be an underneath guy because let's face it, Hollywood Brown is a burner. You know, I mean, yeah. he is a you know north south fly route, post route, flag route. You know, he's not going to run the you know the int- uh, intricate ten yard ins. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Des Bryant. That's yeah. what you go out and you get him yeah. for. Des Bryant's going to run that ten yard route. You know, the ten yard ins, the the curl routes, and he's going to run those crisp. That's the one thing you cannot knock him for was his route running was always, you know, a top of the line pristine. So I think what he'll be able to do is, you know, if they can stretch the field on one side or even pair him in the slot or put Hollywood Brown in the slot and Dez on the outside, they're going to be able to run those like combo routes, you know, the fly posts or the fly ins, and one of them's going to get open. Yeah. It's just a matter of Lamar hitting them. Yeah. So that being said, Baltimore has got some work to do. Uh-huh. I mean, that's a nice way to put it. And obviously, they will address the locker room situation. So you probably won't hear any more nonsense like that happening. I would imagine not. No, but to flip the coin to Pittsburgh. Yo, I mean, what can you say? Seven and zero. They're did doing I, it. Did anybody predict this? No. Uh, diehards in Pittsburgh, maybe. Yeah, that's but, for sure. But Roethlisberger is bending but not breaking. Mm-hmm. Obviously, nothing super crazy on no. the stat line. No. Chase Claypool is still earning his sleeper pick of the year for Coach Duffy. I yeah. mean, hey, I try <laughs> to tell you guys. So, and Eric, you probably had a monster game too. So when you can get all your role players involved like they've been doing, and let's not think that this is a, a blow-away game by any means. This no. is as smash-mouth as you get. No. Yeah. This was a definite game down to the wire. But for Pittsburgh to win this is a true statement win. Oh, yeah. And now being 7-0, and clearly in the driver's seat of the AFC North. Going to make it to at least 10-0. I'm looking at their schedule. They got Dallas this coming week. Good Lord. Uh, they got Cincinnati the week after, and then Jacksonville after that. Cincinnati will give them a tough challenge. Cincinnati yeah, will Cincinnati give them a, yeah, give them yeah. a tough challenge. My, but they'll, they'll beat them. my takeaway from Pittsburgh is that this is definitely a vintage, it almost feels Cower-esque, yeah. you know, uh, 
uh, Pittsburgh team where it is defense first. Um, and the defense, I mean, I know they get praised, but I don't think they get enough, you know, for what they've been able to do defensively because, you know, why in the pass rushing in the secondary, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, they're playing tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's enough where, you know, they only need, you know, Ben to probably put up, if they get 17 points, they're going to win the game. Yeah. That's what I, I mean. That's, and if they don't, you know, and if it's like a close, you know, 14, 17 game, you know, they might say, hey, Ben, we, we need one right now. And that offense is good enough to go and get one more. So I, 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 they are fully, they are a fully rounded team. Unlike Kansas City, where they have a little bit, you know, we've seen some chips, you know, that they, the ability to stop the run can be questionable. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's not like that. No, they're no. definitely not. Their, de- their defense is real good. I'm looking at the uh, NFL you know, team stats. They're fifth in the league in terms of yards allowed per game, uh, just allowing 310.7 yards per game. Uh, they are number one in uh, sacks, ha- having gotten 30 sacks on the year. You see who's number eight? Uh, yeah, I'm looking like the Giants, maybe? I don't know. That's what's up. Uh, and then, Out of nowhere. I had no idea until I heard yeah. that stat last and then, night. And then out of uh, uh, turnover stats, they are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. They're 6th uh, with a differential of plus 5. That's fucking what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Plus 5? You want to know who's number 1? Yeah. KC, plus 9. What? That's but, so many turnovers created. Yeah. Tennessee's a plus eight. Seattle's a plus seven. Well, wow, Seattle, that's shocking. Tampa Bay's their a, defense is terrible. Tampa Bay's a plus six. Indianapolis is a plus five, all ahead of them. Oh, my God. Yeah, let that sink in for a moment. That's so many. Is that an average, or is that where they are a differential of as of this date? Uh, as of this date. Okay, all right. I, I will settle down. I thought that was an average of nine turnovers over the course of these last eight games. No, no, no. No, no. so they're just no. plus nine. Okay, yeah, so yeah. let's... Less of an astonishment. Still very good, but yeah. wow, they're 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 just setting a blueprint right now. I mean, what else can you say? Yeah, well, force turnovers, stop teams, score points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can't get any more X's and O's than that, that's it. It's Steeler football one on one. Yeah, Ooh, it nice. really is. I mean, that's what else can you really say about that? So the Steelers obviously have a good chance of going ten and zero. Baltimore's got to do a little rebuilding and restructuring of that offense but yeah. they're not out of it i'm not writing them off but this is just something that their offensive team is going to have to really put some work in this week facts mm-hmm. so coach let's go around the league one last time before we end the segment so take uh, it away all right well i mean i guess i'll touch on the giants yep uh i don't even know i was you know talking to my wife before the you know before the game and you know i was just like you know i don't i don't mind like i get that they're bad but, like, they've been so goddamn competitive that it's almost hair-pulling. And then to last night see that, you know, they have Tampa Bay at home. They're up this game for most of the game until late in the fourth where, you know, Tampa Bay was finally able to take it to then go down, march down, score the, you know, essentially what would need to be the game tying touchdown with extra point, you know, and to miss the opportunity on the extra point is just so frustrating. Like, if this team's going to be bad, like, they should be – Four and four. Mm. You know what I mean? Instead, they're one and seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, this is so, it's so frustrating. The defense is so good. Like, this defense is very, very good. This is uh, Super Bowl run defense level good. I mean, they are getting after the quarterback. They are forcing turnovers. You know, Tom Brady was, you know, all sorts of confused. It looked just like, you know, the old games against the Giants when he was on the Pat- Patriots. 
Um, not gonna lie, so, I was rooting for your Giants. Hey, thanks, man. I mean, yeah, I, I don't appreciate that because you know I want them to lose. But that's thanks, <laughs> Pad. Um, so it's just it's it's nuts. Like I mean. You know, you you think like this team, you know, Tampa Bay, like they're playing really well right now. Things were firing on all cylinders. They just, you know, went to Las Vegas, had a great game, and then I'm thinking they're going to come to New York and they're going to make sure that you know they put on a great performance on a Monday Night Football game, and they were losing for three fourths of this game, mm-hmm. and then only for the Giants to let slip through their hands. I will say this though, Joe Judge, your head coach, goddamn good head coach, head yeah. Give him some play, some players, and I guarantee you this team is going to be in the playoffs next yeah, year. I tell you, I, I honest to God, um, I really think that Garrett's found the niche with this team. Yeah, you know the thing that is is, un, I that I didn't understand from week one was their um, lack of trust in Wayne Gallman. I don't understand. I mean, I'm not in the know enough to know why they don't like to use this guy. But, I mean, he was a comparable backup last year when Saquon went down with that high ankle sprain uh, that, you know, last year's coaching staff used him. Now this year it's like he was bottom of the depth chart to the potential of getting cut to a seventh-round draft pick, I mean, which made no sense to me. And then all of a sudden, you know, he comes out last night, Devontae Freeman's hurt, and he's averaging four yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Four yards for a run like that is, I mean I I don't know what world anybody else is coming from, but for me when I hear four yards, yeah. I'm hearing second and six. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah. that's what I hear when I hear a running back is averaging four yards a carry. I'm not thinking of oh that's not great because it's not you know first down. No, that's great because yeah, now you're second and change. six yeah. exactly. Yeah. You're yeah. second and six. He gets another four yards. You're third and two. Yeah. All right, you know, I mean, so I, I just don't I don't understand why they're not using him. They only gave him 30 snaps last night. You know, they gave Alfred Morris, who was uh, on the, uh, you know, the practice squad, uh, 20, first time being active in almost a year. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't get it. The, uh, you know, and Daniel Jones, the stat that don't, was alarming to me was, and I don't know if you guys heard this, he has had more uh, seven less turnovers, I think, uh, 47 Ryan Leaf mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. first 20 games, 43 for Daniel Jones, so four, four less. Yeah, yikes. So, and I know part of it is talent and, and everything, but uh, yeah, I mean, if they have the ability to go out and get Trevor Lawrence, they need to do it because mm-hmm. I don't. You I just, said his name. I did, but that was for my, you know, it's my gimmick. Yeah. It's my gimmick. <laughs> I, I have to do it. Uh, I you just you can't ignore the facts. It's just Daniel Jones is not the guy for this team. No, he he will be a very good quarterback somewhere down the road, and I'm sure he will play for a Super Bowl for another team. But it's just not going to be this Giants. Probably the XFL. Thank you for the Joe Judge compliment. Yes, I think he's done a tremendous job. Uh, The defensive coordinator, I think, has looked great too. And I mean, really, my I mean, the defensive the the defense is great. Yeah, like the I mean, Leonard Williams, a guy who I literally wanted to boot off the team myself, has been getting after the quarterback in a way that he did not do it at all last year. So, oh, and Blake Martinez. Well, I mean, yeah, he's, he's he's not going to get any MVP votes because the Giants are one and seven. But the dude deserves it. He's because playing lights out. He has eighty five tackles on the year, and Oof. it's been a dominant eighty five tackles. Yeah. Um. I mean, he reminds me of like you know Manti Teo in that Notre Dame system with you know, the twelve championship run where Manti Teo was all over the field. That's what Blake Martinez. Is. I mean, he's everywhere, everywhere, forcing turnovers the whole nine. Um. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, it's fucking frustrating. <laughs> it's, you, you know, you're sitting here and you're like, they should be 4-4 four and four and they're 1-7. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, yeah. you know, it sure does. But, yeah. you know, what? We'll, we'll but, we, you know, I, I listen, I really hope they can hold on to Jason Garrett. Yeah. I am 
great because he's really found the niche with this offense, and I'm very concerned that if this offense gets hot and continues to play well, that he is going to be a prime target um, for some of these teams you know, that are going to obviously let go of head coaches. Mm-hmm. I think it just depends on what team is going to be the right fit for him. I, yeah. Think, yeah. I think that that's going to be the ultimate thing. Like, I think that he sticks around one more year for the Giants, and then after that, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, I I certainly don't see, like, if the Jets fire Gase and they're like, hey, mm-hmm. can we interview you? I don't think he would be like, yeah, I'm going to jump all over that shit storm, yeah. you know? <laughs> I, I, yeah. I fully see Ben and me leaving Kansas City for there. I don't ask me why. I yeah, just, I, I, I see that happening. I feel like the only way that they can get somebody is if they get like for the Jets to get a next head coach after they fire Gase, it's got to be somebody who's like just desperate to get in the NFL. Could be, yeah. or somebody desperate to get back to a head coach. I don't think like you know a better me who's you know in a good position with Kansas City would be like, no, I'm going to leave the comfort of this of my of my Rolls Royce, you know, mm-hmm. and downgrade to a Toyota, you know, a Celica. You know, yeah. I don't I don't see that happening. You know, though, I think the enticement is the number one pick, and if he could get Trevor Lawrence, well, that is, that, that's what I said. Like, yeah. if, if he could pull that off, I I would. Say that would be enough to prime away. I but Maybe. we'll have to wait. And see, Maybe. there's, there's lot to go with yeah. that. Pad, uh, talk a little bit about the NFL trade deadline because that has come and gone. Nothing huge, but a couple things. No, uh, huge winner got to be Avery Williamson uh, getting <laughs> traded from the 0 and 8 New York Jets to the that s- Instagram picture is incredible. To traded from the 0 and 8 New York Jets to the 7 and 0 Pittsburgh Steelers, so he's picking up a differential of about 15 games. So congratulations, <laughs> congratulations to you, sir. Uh, just a couple other notable ones: the Dolphins did trade uh, with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs for running back DeAndre Washington. Uh, uh, Patriots traded with the Miami Dolphins for wide receiver uh, Isaiah Ford so that fills a hey they've actually got a receiver on the roster who was drafted not undrafted so that's breaking news uh, you know nothing really huge you know they were I know the Patriots were at one point looking to move uh, Stefan Gilmore but they wanted a first round pick and a player to which every team said uh, thanks but no thanks uh, the San Diego or it's not San Diego the LA Chargers Chargers traded uh, Desmond King over to the Tennessee Titans uh for the 49ers traded uh, Kwan Alexander to the New Orleans Saints. I real quick, Pad, your Patriots. Uh huh. I I feel like we'd be remissing if we didn't talk about Bill Belichick's comments, mm-hmm. which was the first time I think Bill Belichick had ever speak a language of the common man before ever. I sitting here saying. Yeah, we we know what we did with the cap. We yeah. we invested yeah. five years to get a return of three championships. You know, one AFC title game, mm-hmm. and we're kind of fucked. I just you never you've never heard Bill Belichick speak like that. I thought that was very telling. There's a certain team down in South Florida that isn't in the AFC that I think is on the same trajectory. Well, sure. I that, mean, obviously. That, and I was explaining this to my mom the other day because she, you know, when when this team acquired a certain. I don't want to say controversial, but kind of he brings in some headlines. He likes his own workout plans. Yeah, he, he likes his own workout plans, yeah. and he likes posting videos that may or may not break laws in certain states. Uh, got picked up by this team. My mom asked, that where did the, this team get all this money? They've sucked for as long as I can remember. And I told her, I said, they are going all in for this year. Sure. They, want, they know what they have with their uh, very good and one of the greatest of all time quarterbacks, and they are putting in video game targets around him they're going for now they're going for broke i said what they're doing is they're fucking themselves down the road yeah i just i thought it was very tough like how often i mean ken outside a buffalo fan yeah for years you saw the stone wall that was you know the belichick curtain of he's hurt he's not gonna play and then all of a sudden it was yeah so what's up with the talent level 
Yeah, we fucked the cap up. So it's what? A, it's a better answer than anything he otherwise could have given. Sure, and I, yeah. And I appreciated the honesty. Yeah, I did too. I, I did too. That's what I was going to It was refreshing. That's what I was touching. Yeah, I mean, he is breaking down and gave a non-Belichick answer to a, a, a question. Which, to a Belichick-level question. Yeah, you know? like it was so weird and wild to see, and, and I was just like, he's not wrong. He's like, listen, we <laughs> no. know, he's like, look, he's like, look, we gave Cam Newton a million dollars. Like he obviously, he's like obviously he deserves more, but we gave him a million dollars. Yeah, and it's just something the Patriots are honest about because you sometimes have to go all in to get those Super Bowls. Yeah, and you know what? I'm I didn't fault him one bit. Listen, you are it's a make or break sport where you have you know the level of talent that they had for years. Mm-hmm. I just think I just it was so shocking because for years. You know, it was never, even like when it was to the situation of, you know, like, are you guys targeting so-and-so? Like, are you looking to sign this player? And it was, that's not for my decision. That's for the organization. Yeah. You know, for years it was that kind of response. And then all of a sudden it was a direct question, something that he easily could have just deflected of, we're not worried about that right now. We're worried about whoever our next opponent is. You no, know, it was, yeah, man, What? what's up? Let's talk. Let's wrap. Because yeah, like I said, this other team in the, in South Florida, uh, is going all in for this year. I don't. He's he, the quarterbacks got what two year deal, something like that. Yeah, you got a two year deal got, for fifty guarantee. He's got a two year deal, but who's to say? Because this is in the realm of possibility. He just decides after this year. You know what? I'm good. I'm gonna ride off into the win, lose or draw. Right off into the sunset. So all of your sudden, you're sitting there with with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, I believe Antonio Brown, who they just bought, brought in as like a one year deal, mm-hmm. something like that. Gronkowski, I think, is only a one or two year deal. So you went all in for this guy. That unless you win, it's a, a win in the whole thing. It's a failure of every every level. That you're going to be good with Blaine Gabbert or Ryan Griffin. You know they got uh, Josh Rosen too. Yeah, no, but again, <laughs> the cast off from Miami. Yeah. You know, you're going well, all cast in, off go, from Arizona they, to Miami they're to go, cast off again. They're, they're they're doing the same thing that happened with the with New England. They they're going for broke and yeah. they're going for the Super Bowl. And I and if they get it, great. But if they don't, you have royally fucked over your franchise for a number of years. I mean, that's what you do when you have that level of talent, though. I mean, I don't fault them for what Bill said. I just it was very funny to see the actual Bill Belichick character because the only other time I had ever seen it was the Two Bills documentary on mm-hmm. ESPN. Yeah, no, you're exactly right on that. And I think for him to be that bluntly honest, it was refreshing. Yeah. It was like, okay, obviously it's a weird year, so we're seeing a lot of weird <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So this is just yet another thing to chalk up to 2020, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess so. And, and, and to flip it, too, uh, for that team in the South, I'm sorry, they're not going to beat Seattle. So, you know, nope. they could they went all in for nothing, so you went bankrupt and you're good, Frank. You no, know, they might beat Seattle, though, because Seattle's defense is... Yeah, but... I, I would say this. If, if they have to go play in Seattle yeah, if to they win. Have to, well, if, if the 12th man is there, then maybe. I'm just saying that going there, I think they would be having problems. So I think they they, they win high, high risk, high reward. But you are banking on a lot. Mm-hmm. And you added in one of the most controversial players to a locker room that you could. Yep. And winning will be the well, only thing that quiets Speaking stuff. of, is there a more dislikable coach now than Bruce Arias? I, to be honest Adam with Gase. you, fuck no, no, because Gase is at least dumb. Yeah. Like Bruce is just his leg, his level of just like I'm watching him on the sideline for that Giants game, and I'm like, I, I just want to punch you in the face. The level yeah. of arrogance, yeah. Like, like I'm just like, yeah. oh, like even the even the comment that he made about AB just was like, you know, like listen, he's a controversial guy, and then you make a statement of if he's a good football player, then he's going to stay on this team, like. 
What, so we're going to ignore the other shit? I don't think Arians knows what the hell he's doing. I no. think I think he's a guy, using an analogy, I think he's a guy that's driven a Honda Civic for all his life and all of a sudden got the keys to a you know a Ferrari or a McLaren and doesn't know what the fuck to do. Dude, because I, he, had, he, had the oh. com- he had the comments today. Antonio Brown might get 10 catches. He might get 35 catches. Who knows? It is almost coming around like it's Rex Ryan talking. Yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah. And to be I honest, really, I was watching him on the Giants sideline. Like I'm just like, fuck. I never remember him being this cocky in Arizona. No, I, I mean, he was the like everybody when he got fired from Arizona. Everybody was like crying and yeah. shedding a tear. Like not Bruce. No, like he's such a good guy. And now all of a sudden he's in Tampa Bay. I'm like, dude, fuck this guy. And did we not forget his comments early in the year when he threw Tom Brady mm. under the ball? Oh, no, it's yeah. definitely, that's what started yeah. my dissension of him. Yeah, so it's just like, okay, if you're really trying to be over with the kids, so to speak, and you're really trying to be hip and cool and stand out. That, How do you, know, you do, fellow students? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm sorry. It no, just, he it, turns around, sits in his chair backwards like we do. Yeah, it's just one of those things that's like, I think you're trying to get over with your team too much that you're actually pushing them away, and this is not the Bruzarians that we have known. I'm sorry. This is no. coming off like some fake-ass shit that is just played up for the camera, that you're being mm-hmm. a character. So if that's the case, good luck watching the Super Bowl from home because you know what? You're not going to get there. Nope. Yeah, I'm sorry. And if you were asking me to rely on a 45-year-old Tom Brady to hold you up the entire year, uh, sorry, you're sadly mistaken. But that being said, I will just close out with just a couple quick bullet points. Buffalo's win over New England was a good one, but I'll, be, I'll say this time and time again. The defense – Needs to switch up schemes in the second half. The defensive coordinator needs to learn what that means. Yes. Frazier needs to do this and do this quick for Buffalo because, you know, this is another game where they should have lost. They didn't. I'm happy they did not. But you're relying on Josh Allen to bail you out too many times. Yeah. No, and and the Bills defense really has to figure something out because I was looking at some stats. The only offense they've ever held uh, up to this point is the New York Jets. And let's face it, the three of us could pick some people off the street and stop the Jets. Yeah. It's just something that they need to obviously get together, and that defense is going to scare me going into the playoffs. I Also, the kicking is going to scare you. What's that? Also, the kicking is going to scare you. Yo, let's not get into that kicking because, you know, I can go on a tirade <laughs> about that one. But it's a good win for the Bills, obviously a tough one for the Pats, and we see where we go from here because the Bills got Seattle next week, mm-hmm. so that will be a fun one. Shoot it, out. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that, line up's, uh, that line's closer than I thought it was. Currently, it's minus three for uh, Seattle. Yeah, but take wow. the over. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, take the over. There's going to be the no defense over. in that game. You so might be like the NBA uh, All-Star game. Yeah, you might see a 41-47. Uh, yeah. I'm saying that's, no, le- that's, that's a legit, legit possibility. That just, that just means good things for my fantasy team. Exactly. So fantasy, uh, go stack them on the Bills and the Seahawks this week. I got DK Metcalf and Ross. And to just make a quick editorial, listen, Philly fans, I understand you beat Dallas. I get it. Oh, okay. Oh, team me up. Go ahead. Tag me in. Hot tag. Hot tag. Right, hot tag. Uh, bam. Because bam. Uh, let me tell you, we got. I got tagged on that thread through our uh, friend of the pod. Shout out to Dre Driven. Yeah, and you know the, it's just chirping back and forth of these you know Eagles and and Cowboys fans, and I I I've played it cool because. I don't need my, you know, the the noti- notifications blowing up over monotony and bullshit. And there's this cowboy fan just, or eagle fan just, just nonstop, just like, oh, you know, we're the most dominant team in the NFC East. Oh, this, that, the third. We're playing with nobody right now. Everybody's injured. Like, 
my guy, listen, you still have your starting quarterback. You still have uh, an emerging, you know, Boston Scott right now, who arguably is better than Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, yeah, all right, you're without Ertz, but you weren't really using Ertz anyway. Uh, Gorda was getting all the snaps, mm-hmm. so whatever. All right, Alshon Jeffries is hurt, but what was he really doing? Um, Aguilar, Whiteside, or whatever, Whiteside, whatever the the other wide receiver, he's hurt. All right, you got Greg Ward Jr. though; he's playing well. Um, and you beat up on a Dallas team that was playing Gucci Danucci. You yeah. know, I mean, who had a better stat line than Carson Wentz? Right. Like, who had? I mean, so how do you argue that Carson Wentz is that great? When there were multiple dude, Eagle fans that were arguing about. I know. This. I know. Yeah. I know. But when a dude that was a seventh round pick who played at a Mac College, no offense, Mac College, just saying, you know, comes in and and has a better stat line than a uh you know potential quote unquote Super Bowl level caliber player. Yikes. Yeah, there really isn't much to talk about. You didn't win the Super Bowl, you beat up a bad team. No, and again, I would much rather again and I said this to the thing, I would rather finish dead last in a bad division than go six and ten, win this division, and get absolutely thrashed in the first round of the playoffs. That is dumb. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to finish six and ten and win the division? What just so you hang the banner up? Yeah. If you're chasing division banners, then that's why your franchise is where it's at, and you've only won one Super Bowl in twenty five years. Yeah. Also, just saying. I'm looking at uh, current playoff standings for the NFC. Uh, Philly is currently the number four seed. Four plays the five, right? And then the uh, yes. playoffs. Yes. They if the playoffs started this weekend, they'd be playing New Orleans. <laughs> Well, I mean, it would be a home game for Philly, so that might help. But I mean, barely. But yeah. no, barely. New Orleans plays better on the road. So yeah, was, uh, they play very. Yeah, they play yeah, better on I the just, road. So listen, temper your expectations. Relax. A, an NFC East championship banner is right now, currently, as the division is currently. Listen, you want to talk about the you know five ten years ago when every team in the NFC East was like nine and seven, and you won the division. That's fine. But with every team being the bottom level of the barrel in the NFL, yeah, don't celebrate division I'll titles. Say, yeah, the Eagles are in first place in the East with 3-4-1, and one, but in the North, they'd be in t- second to last. Uh, to the South, they'd be in second to last. The West, they'd be in last place. And then in the AFC, they'd be in second to last. And in the AFC West, they'd be in uh, about middle of the pack in the AFC South. North, they'd be in second to last. And then in the uh, AFC East, they'd be in about third or fourth place. That just goes to show that, I mean, Philly fan, you won. Congratulations. But to act like you won the Super Bowl? Enjoy 6-10 and 10 in division like, round exit. Come on. And you beat up Enjoy it. a depleted Dallas team that, let's face it, Ben DiNucci is not Dak Prescott by no. any stretch of the imagination. Oh, God, He's no. not even Andy Dalton. <laughs> no. Their defense is abysmal. They all know that. I mean, this is what you get with Dallas. Dude, that Mike defense, McCarthy team. That Dallas defense is. It's, it's a Mike McCarthy awful. team. Awful. Yeah. Oh, my God. So you I did, mean, they looked better, but, I mean, they somebody broke down a play on Twitter where it was like they were running a stunt, and luckily they got to Wentz, but literally Jalen Smith and – the corner went and covered a guy in the flat to uh, a linebacker and a safety took the inside route. And there was literally a wide open wide receiver that was, oh, I mean, nobody was in the middle of the field, but Wentz got sacked. So they were lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's just, that's bad defense. It's yeah. bad defense all around. Yeah. So like Mike Nolan's definitely got to go in Dallas <laughs> Mike McCarthy's got to go. McCarthy, McCarthy might be one and done. I wouldn't doubt you know, make it. You know what? You know, I say, hey, I said that you two did. weeks ago. You did. Uh, listen, you know who they should call? Jason Garrett. Jason. 
That's where Jason Garrett will go back Jason to. Jason Garrett will go back. <laughs> Just like he did when he was playing in his playing days. Oh. He was he was the, the Cowboy backup quarterback for years, came to the Giants, and then finished his career in Dallas. So many storylines we can go on and he, on about that this means past his, weekend of the his NFL. His coaching life could imitate his playing life. Definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about this past week's NFL action? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Mark, the DM for Stranger Damies. What is Stranger Damies, you ask? Well, we're just a bunch of first-time D&D players exploring the world of Tal'Dorei 30 years after the events of the Coma Conclave, which was made famous on Critical Role. Join us every week as we roll some dice, make some mistakes, but most importantly, we have fun. New episodes air every Wednesday at strangerdamies.podbean.com or on your favorite podcast streaming app. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Stranger Damies. And is it Wednesday yet? This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we got to talk a little UFC action. Uh-huh. Now, Halloween night, there was definitely a card going on, a fight night. Uriah Hall taking on the legendary Anderson Silva. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a bittersweet moment for me yes. to see Anderson Silva's last fight that is going to be in the UFC. Mm-hmm. He did kind of leave it open that maybe there was going to be a possibility somewhere else after. I hope not. I hope not either because this was it's not. It's going to be like uh, Chuck Liddell levels. Yeah, this was not a good fight. So, no. Pad, you got the stats? Yeah, so uh, Uriah Hall defeated Anderson Silva via TKO, that being punches, uh, it, with one minute and 24 seconds into the fourth round. Coach, did you see this fight? So I did get to watch this fight. Uh, it was difficult to stay awake for. Yeah. Because I was definitely getting a little distracted by some games on my phone because I was like, what? what? Okay, they're still going? All right. Yeah. This was brutal. Yeah. I'm going to say this. Anderson Silva pushing 45, taking on Uriah Hall, who since his Ultimate Fighter days, he has not been the same since he lost to Calvin Gastelum in in the finals. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't expect... Fiscalor, because I know no. you know Silva. No. I know is very you know crafty and very uh, methodic, you know, with what he throws. So I wasn't expecting you know like two bangers going in there just pop 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 pop. But I definitely did not. What we got was something that was not anything I expected. No, definitely not. I mean, the whole first two rounds could be summed up as they were slapping each other high five. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Silva was wax on and wax offing for yeah. most of the first two rounds. Yeah, which I mean, that is nothing very new per yeah, se. It's not, no, well, yeah. yeah, when I watched it, I was like, oh, he's fucking doing his stuff to try and pick his spots, but then, like, I'm sitting here and he's not moving as quick as he once used to do yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm like, Punch him yeah. in the face, yeah. like what the yeah. fuck? Into uh, no, yeah. I mean, it was good. It was not a great fight. I know I was messaging my brother the next day. You know, he's like, "Why the hell did Dana give him that fight?" And and I know my brother in law was watching too. And I had a conversation with him yesterday, and I told him, 
it wasn't a great fight. It's not a great finale for his UFC career, but at least it wasn't Chuck Liddell. No, it definitely wasn't because the the one thing about this is if Silva was going to go out, he definitely wanted to do one more fight yeah. for the UFC. Yeah. Obviously, he is not the Anderson Silva of old. No. But to kind of bring it back full circle, this is when he, he debuted at the UFC in Vegas. Obviously, this is uh, at the Apex. It's mm-hmm. not the Hard Rock because no. he came in fighting Chris Lieben yeah. and absolutely put the whooping on him. For Uriah Hall, this was going to be a challenge to see, are we going to actually see the guy that shows flashes of brilliance or the guy that is just mentally can't get over fighting anymore? I mean, like, I, it's, it's so weird to say. I mean, I don't know if you can really get anything out of this fight and put it in positive or negative towards his st- overall stock with the company because yeah a tko against a, an opponent is usually a good plus in your stock but it's against a 45 year old anderson silva it was against a 45 year old anderson silva and he was gun shy yeah he was definitely hesitant like if this, like if this is a guy 10 years or even 15 years younger than anderson silva i'm like yo bump his stock up get, get me to buy i'm all in yeah so obviously Hall did get his striking going in the third yeah. round, and then the fourth round he just yeah. took over. It was yeah. more of the same. Yeah. yeah. So now the ramifications falling out from this. Dana White has said Silva's never fighting the UFC again. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I am too. I don't see how you could. No, yeah. obviously not the way you want to go out on your legacy. No. But for being at age 45 fighting, yeah. it's like I mean his legacy is cemented. Yeah, he is in the GOAT conversation. I mean, here's just a few of his accolades. He finishes his UFC career, is well, his professional MMA career, if he does retire from all MMA, uh, has 46 matches with 34 wins, 11 losses, and one no contest. That one no contest propelling Nick Diaz into the GOAT of all time. I will hear nothing else. <laughs> Fought one of the greatest of all time who was on steroids while he was high. Yes, this nobody touches that stat. Uh-huh. But just some of the accolades uh, over Anderson Silva's UFC career. Uh, he was a one-time UFC middleweight champion uh, and had 10 successful title defenses. He unified the UFC middleweight and pride world welterweight championships. Uh, he won fight of the night five times, knockout of the night seven times, submission of the, of the night two times. Uh, he ha- has the record for the longest title reign in UFC history, that being 2,457 days. It's a little over six and a half years for yep. those of you not good at math. Uh, he has the longest win streak in UFC history with 16 wins in a row. The most UFC middleweight title fights with 13. Most wins in UFC middleweight title fights with 11. Uh, most successful title defenses in the middleweight division with 10. Most consecutive title defenses in the UFC middleweight division with 10. The second most consecutive title defenses in UFC history with 10. Most finishes in UFC middleweight division history with 11. Most finishes in UFC title fights with 9. Most knockdowns in UFC history with 8. 18, most knockdowns in UFC title fights with 10, and then the most knockouts in UFC title fights with 7. Coach, do you have a favorite Anderson Silva moment? Uh, I mean, not. I guess I always remember like the, the brutality that he once had when he fought. I remember one time he had somebody uh, in a triangle choke. I can't remember who it was, but the gentleman was bald, and he uh, was having a vein pop on his head while he was in the triangle choke and was refusing to tap. So Silva just started throwing these elbows from his back to the app to the spot where the guy had the the, the vein popping, mm-hmm. and just the the viciousness that he was throwing the elbows to try and finish the fight to make him tap. I was like, God damn! Like that was like peak. You know, Spider Silva, like that was when he was at his scariest. And I was like, dude, this dude fights brutally. Yeah. But yeah. And then, I mean, I remember the, the Wyman stuff and that yeah. rivalry, which was yeah. tremendous because yeah. at the time, nobody could beat Silva. No. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess this isn't a, a feather in Silva's cap, but I mean, it's just something that I remember because nobody. 
Yeah. Every, so many yeah. challengers came. And all of a sudden, here's this dude from Long Island who yeah. was able to beat him. Yeah. No, I mean, for me, it, it, it's kind of like a 1-1-A type of thing. It's it's that whole run he had from you know 2009 up to right before he lost to Chris Weidman, where you look at some of the names he was beating. He knocked out Forrest Griffin in 2009. Uh, unanimous decision against Damian Maia in 2010. You submitted Chael Sonnen in 2010. This has got to be the, my favorite win of his of all time. The knockout he had with Vitor Belfort in Ooh. 2011. Yo, look that one up if you haven't seen it. Uh, he TKO'd Yushin Okami in 2011. TKO'd Chael Sonnen in 2012. And then he TKO'd Stefan Bonner in 2012. Just that run was insane. And it was to the point where I know we were having some pretty decent you know, view viewing parties for that. I remember just the vitriol and the amount of people wanted to see him lose because he'd been on such a run for so long. Well, the one thing about Silva, which I will always say, is he came in and you could just tell there was an aura about him yeah. that we hadn't seen in the UFC. I, I don't want to say ever, but it was just something about him when he came in. And, and like I said, he ran through Chris Lieben. Mm-hmm. And then we got to Rich Franklin and got him in that Muay Thai clinch. And just Franklin never recovered, in my opinion. No. It was just he, he was like a buzzsaw getting his title shot. And then the run to go on to kind of put in the – to perspective six years pad do you believe you said it was uh, if my math is correct it's like 6.7 years yeah it, it felt like a decade to be honest with you yeah it did silva for the most part fought everybody they threw in front of him like i know they were trying to book the dream fight between him and george st pierre for years and they could never agree on a weight for whatever reason like i i don't understand how they just didn't do a catch weight but i digress i'm not gonna you know cry about spilled milk but to see silva go in there and just be a true mixed martial artist and just how he would go into fights. The first couple of rounds, he'd be, it'd be a weird feel out process and then he would explode and then fighters would never be able to catch him. What he was throwing. Yeah. It was just such a wild to see. Cause like Pat touched about the B, the Vitor Belfort knockout <laughs> is one of the most brutal, sudden things you'll ever see in, in MMA. Uh huh. And to see the rivalry with him and Chael Sonnen and that number, that first fight. Oh my God has to be one of the most insane fights you'll ever see where, spoiler, Sonnen dominates him on the ground for literally four and a half rounds. Like, this was the most, it was going to be like a 10-8 overall. And then Sonnen gets sloppy with a minute left, and Silva gets him in that triangle choke and makes him tap out. It is one of the most surreal moments you'll mm-hmm. ever see in MMA history. Mm-hmm. And that solidified just Silva being there. The rematch was one of the most hyped fights of all time. Because wasn't that the one where they were both doing UFC or Ultimate Fighter Brazil? No, that was Vanderlei Silva. Oh, that was Vanderlei. Okay. No, no. Van- okay. Yeah, Vanderlei's a whole different. Okay. Him and Chael is a whole different ball. I just remember there game. was one instance where Chael insulted the people of Brazil and pissed them he all off. He did. No, he did that, yeah. with, he did that okay. with Anderson Silva. No, no, he did that with Silva just uh, in, the, in the presser okay. yeah. for round or for fight number two, yeah. which. If you want to go hear all that trash talk, this is why there were there was a lot of UFC fans that when that fight was getting ready to happen were saying uh, Chael's going to need security. Yeah, Chael needed to get security, but Chael actually went down to Brazil for the press conferences too, which was absolutely wild. Like Chael is the American gangster. I mean, uh-huh. but to see where Silva took MMA and really made it into an art form, yeah, I think is something that is very telling about just his legacy. That you can go back through his history of fights and. There have been a couple stinkers, though. The Damian Maya one is yeah. one that comes to mind. The Travis Luter one, which Silva should have lost one. I believe that that's the one you're thinking about with the bald uh, gentleman in the triangle. Okay. 
that so, Luter uh, was winning that fight, but he missed weight. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, he did. Yeah, it was when he won the Ultimate Fighter uh, Redemption series. To see where Silva has had most most notably his career has always been a highlight one. And mm-hmm. obviously, when he came up against Chris Weidman, that was one of the most shocking wins in all of MMA history. Yeah. Because Silva was taunting him, mm-hmm. he got lazy, and Wyman clipped him, and he never recovered. The rematch ended with one of the most gruesome injuries I've ever seen in MMA history. Uh, yeah, no, it still is. Yeah, the broken leg. With which, the leg check. Which, I mean, if you have a strong stomach, go check it out. Yeah. I don't recommend it. But, yeah. but then after that, it was like, where do you go from here? And he yeah. had some fights you know, moving forward, and obviously one against Daniel Cormier, I don't even count because that no. was a late-minute uh, substitution. And yeah. To see where he goes from here on out, I hope. Like Pat, I hope he does not go Chuck Liddell style. No, just retire and yeah. go off in the yeah, sunset. Just go, go train, go be a coach. You know, because Lord knows people will come to you and learn from you. Yeah, but you've you've cemented your legacy. Yeah, just enjoy retirement. Yeah, yeah, because he's inspired the next generation of fighters to come through. One of which is the current middleweight champion mm-hmm. and one Israel Adesanya. Now, why we bring him up in this mix? He was at the UFC event at the Apex on Halloween, but he wasn't there. Just to watch Anderson Silva fight, mm-hmm. he was there supporting a teammate. But we did hear some news break out that I definitely want to get the panel's opinion about, and that is that his next fight is not going to be against Robert Whitaker. Nope. Who's it going to be against, Pat? Uh, Jan Blahovitz uh, in the light heavyweight division. Yeah. So, Coach, what is your feeling on this? Well, I mean, we talked before the show. I have a theory. Break I have a down. hypothesis, if you will, uh, that this was John's way. Yes, Mr. John Jones. It was his way of returning to the light heavyweight scene because I think that he w- had no interest in fighting Blahovitz, did not want to do it, and this is his way of Adesanya winning, you know, hopefully, mm-hmm. all things considered, wins the light heavyweight title, and now he will get his fight that has been much talked about for, what, probably a year now they've had their little tit for tat, yeah. So uh, this will be his way of getting his fight with Adesanya. This will be Adesanya's way of earning his fight with John, and John inevitably trying to get back his light heavyweight championship, probably only to give it back up to go back up to heavyweight. Pad, your thoughts on this? I'm, I can see it happening. Nothing would surprise me with John at this point. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Coach. I think this is the way you get John back to the light heavyweight division. Because let's face it, ever since he talked about moving up to heavyweight, we haven't heard anything. Right. Mm-hmm. It's been months. Silence, like yeah. we just did. Silence. That was perfect, guys. We practiced that off air. Yes, Silence. Did. I mean, there's been no talk. The, we, all the fights that we laid out when the initial news broke of John could fight this guy, John could fight that guy. Oh, maybe John will wait for this fighter. You know, whatever. Like we we laid out four or five matches that we would have liked to have seen. Yeah, crickets. Mm-hmm. There's been absolutely no news. So this one does make some sense, though. Albeit, I was a little surprised at it that. Since Blahovitz just won mm-hmm. this weekend, there is a UFC fight night where Dominic, or I'm mean, sorry, Glover Teixeira is going to be fighting Tiago Santos. Okay, and then the winner is the number one contender. Right. I was kind of surprised that we're skipping past that to do the super fight, but I get it. I guess there was some controversy depending on where you hear the Whitaker wasn't going to take the fight. I'm like I've heard a couple different stories. I don't feel comfortable talking on air about it. Okay. So, so I because I it, something doesn't add up, but I didn't have enough time to really break down. But for Adesanya to go up to fight Blahovitz, it makes perfect sense. If he wins, Dana said he can defend both belts, mm. so he's not going to be forced to give one up. Oh, yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. So that's why I said there's a little more enticement for John to come back to light heavyweight since yep. he's just been in limbo. Yeah, this is def- there's a smoking gun behind this. There yeah. is definitely a uh, 
uh, it's definitely uh, a thing where there is some smoke behind the gun, like there, you yeah. know, the mirror, whatever that 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 figure speech is, because there, there's just no way that all of a sudden, you know, the talk has been John heavyweight, the fight with Adesanya would never happen. John mm-hmm. moved up. There's no way that they can to make this work. Um, to all of a sudden, you know, right after this Silva fight, oh yeah, Adesanya is going to fight for the light heavyweight title. He's going to fight Blahovitz. Yeah. And then he's going to go on and fight John. You know, yeah. I mean, there's no way that that doesn't add up. You no, know? no. I mean, the trajectory is there. Right. Yeah. Adesanya is going to fight John Jones in 2021. Right. It was Dana White in the library with the candlestick. Boom. And you know what? I'm Could okay. Be. I'm okay with this. Like, I, I thought I'd be a little more upset about it because, I, you know, I don't like to see him jump around too much for Ooh. the divisions. Right. But this makes sense. And that's the same way I felt, too. At first, I was like, wait. Uh, well, well, I mean, when we had talked about John moving down, we we're like, "Come on, that's so petty, John!" Like, yeah. you left the belt. Like, what are you doing this for? Just move on. And now that it's going to be out of Sanya, yeah. So maybe there's a reason why John didn't want to fight Blahovitz. Maybe yeah. we, maybe he was on to something that we just all didn't realize until now. Well, I think that he's also waiting to see what's going to happen with Miosic and Ngannou, which I believe last I heard unofficially, we're talking March is going to be oh. the title fight between those two. Okay. So I think he's just kind of waiting to see what the fallout's going to be. Could be. But if not, Adesanya is wanting to be active. And I think that that was something that dealt with Whitaker because I, I, I believe um, w- Whitaker, I think, is expecting another child. His family uh, okay. So he didn't want to fight anytime soon. Well, if, if I'm unofficially, I'm going to say that. Adesanya didn't really take much of a beating from LaCosta. Right. So I'm yeah. sure his medical recovery is Look nil. Yeah. So like I said, I don't know if that's the official reason. I sure. think it is, though, with Whitaker, which makes a lot of sense. Right. I mean, it would add up. I yeah. don't. I. I don't see why Whitaker wouldn't want to fight for a title. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I. Th- I think that's the unofficial uh, reason that they said no. So if Adesanya wants to stay active, there's nobody else right now that's in the middleweight division that would be warranting a title shot. So why not move him up? And if he draws John to come back, okay. But he also has to get through Bohovitz. That's not a guaranteed win either. Nope. Right. But, well, no. I mean, it's definitely. I. It could be. It's a 50 50 toss up. I mean, yeah. I know I, I, Adesanya made me a believer after that Lacoste fight. Cause yeah. yeah. I thought that that fight would be way more contested, and Adesanya absolutely dissected him. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see because Blahovitz right now is fighting at a pretty high level. So, that will be a great fight. And I can't wait to see if he does win and inevitably gets his fight with John, what that will be like. And you know what? Fuck it. If Blahovitz does beat Adesanya. That's a great fight for John too. Yeah, you know at this point, and not to mention, I mean, now Connor uh, McGregor announces that he's going to stick it. Now, one seventy still in his pipeline, but one fifty five, he's going to make a dedication to go fight, uh, go back and fight at. Believe so it when his, I see it. So his Poirier fight is going to be at one fifty five. Now, have they named officially what they're doing with the lightweight title? Like, is that going to be the title fight, him and uh, Poirier? That so that's not so. Uh, reading right now, the uh, Mac Life official, which is uh, Conor McGregor, basic you know you uh, MMA world uh, presser that yeah. it is, uh, says Conor McGregor upcoming rematch with Dustin Poirier will take place in the UFC's lightweight division, mm-hmm. according to a social media post by the Dublin Air this afternoon. And it goes on to say that, you know, like I said, Connor has 170 still in his eyes, but he's going to make his return to 155 and dedicate to try and win that title hmm. back. Interesting. So, 
A lot of weird timing in the UFC right now. A lot of things going on right now. Yeah, that I got to take a second to digest that one because obviously I think it's a smart move for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but at the, but, yeah. This, but at the same time for him to leave 170 where there's a lot more fights there for him. Sure. Uh, I got to Listen, I, this is all just a move. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the this is the quickest route to a title. Yeah, this, yeah. That's the move. I will grant you that, but yeah. I I'm just I, I just find it very interesting that if they decide to do this for the title, which I know it hasn't been officially announced yet. But, sure, but, allegedly, but, 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 but potentially. But, but if he's given the, the notification that he's staying at 155 because Habib is not fighting anymore, ha. I just I would like to see him do a little kind of tournament action, though, still. I want to stick to my guns about that because I think if he wins, he should fight one more time and that be for the title. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, listen, I don't. we talked about it, yep. and we threw – Connor was one of our four. Yep. So obviously, this just goes to show that that is a potential. It definitely is. So we'll definitely have to stay tuned for that. So more news coming out of the UFC. A little. By weird. the way, I just dropped this on Ken. They did not. Yeah. He had no idea about this announcement. Yeah. No, I did not know that he was planning on sticking to 155 because I know that he's been talking about doing boxing. He's been talking about doing some other stuff, and I know that they've all but said that fight is happening in December with Poirier and Connor. Right. Yep. So this is news hmm. that I'm going to have to. Like I say, digest a little bit because I fear that they think this is going to be enough to drive Habib to come out for one more fight. No and way. I, and I there's think, no way. Like, I, I think that this move is Connor's way of I want to get one more while I'm still in a relevant. somewhat yeah, relevant and in a prime yeah. for one more title reign. And I think his inevitable goal is to be champ champ again. He could try That's doing it. long term. So I think capturing 155 is up first. And what's the what's the easiest thing is the road of least resistance. Yeah, so that's, that's the 155 title that's vacant right now. It's so in flux too. That's crazy. Yeah, like, and then I mean, inevitably trying to chase down 170, which will not be easy. No, the the 170 road is going to be way way difficult. Right. So for him to be at 155 is, is not going to be an easy task either. But I do like him at that weight class a little more, and I think that him against Poirier is going to be a real telling point. I hope that's not for the title. I hope it's for like a number one contendership match. And then I, I want to see Michael Chandler get in this mix and see what happens with those sure. two. That's the fights I'm waiting to see. So many storylines coming out of this one little fight night. Hmm. Definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about Anderson Silva's retirement fight? And what is your thoughts about the fights that we have just been talking about? Let's have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Vince, the Colin Man Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the Citro 7's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to round the bases and take it home. Pad? Uh, i got to talk a little bit of baseball because it, the finalists for all the big awards were announced uh, just yesterday on the MLB Network. I won't go through all of them, but just some of the major ones. Uh, the finalists for the National League Most Valuable Player are Mookie Betts of the LA Dodgers, Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves, and Manny Machado of the San Diego Padres. Over in the American League, I'm scrolling. MLB's got a lot of videos on their page, so bear with me here. Uh, on the American League side, you have Jose Abreu, 
Abreu of the Chicago White Sox, DJ LeMahieu of the New York Yankees, and Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Indians. Uh, and then the only other one of I felt uh, felt should mention uh, is the uh, Manager of the Year uh, uh, finalists because you have Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, Charlie Montoyo of the Toronto Blue Jays, and Rick Renteria of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, I'll say this: it's a good thing for Kevin Cash that the voting is done before the end of the season because had the playoffs and the World Series come into factor, he would not be winning that award or even be a finalist for that award. Facts. Uh, Charlie Montoyo, congratulations to you, sir. You absolutely deserve to be in this uh, finalist because you took Toronto, who hasn't been to the playoffs for at least four, five, maybe even six years. It's been it's been a while for them to you know to finally make it back into the playoffs, even if it was a brief trip. And it's real awkward for Rick Renteria to get nominated for Manager of the Year, formerly of the Chicago White Sox, because they parted ways with him three weeks ago and have since hired Tony Larusa. Yeah. So it's 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 like that breakup, but then you got to acknowledge the breakup because they had they they put out a tweet on their social media account about it yesterday. So that was bizarre. Uh, over on the National League side for Manager of the Year, I think this one's lock, stock, and and chalk for one guy uh you have david ross of the chicago cubs nominated uh jace tingler of the san diego padres uh nominated and then don mattingly of the miami marlins nominated i think mattingly is a shoe-in for this just given the fact that everything they went through and the whole their positive tests and their outbreak and are they even going to be able to finish out the season with 60 games to not only finish out the games and and get the nest and finish all the games but to then make the playoffs I think Mattingly is a shoe in for National League. Mattingly should be. I mean, yeah. obviously, if you can't give it to Dave Roberts and the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, mm-hmm. how wild is that to say? Yeah, that it's got to go to Mattingly. I mean, he obviously had so many hurdles in Florida. Uh-huh. The fact that they were actually in contention. Yeah, I mean, this is Miami we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yep. Absolutely crazy. Yep. Coach. Well, uh, two things I'm going to touch on. One, uh, the NBA just announced that they are going to have uh, a uh, meeting with the Players Association for tentative date of December 22nd to start the uh, new season off on. Mm. Um, I know I've been uh, speaking, spoken out about you know hoping for a Christmas Day game, uh, which at first the players <laughs> absolutely put the kibosh on. Mm-hmm. The players were not having it, um, so all of a sudden now you know potential change of tune. Uh, I really do. I mean, I I listen. I uh, player safety first, but I really selfishly want Christmas Day games because I they're fun and I do love them. Yeah. Uh, and nextly, uh, the most importantly, Notre Dame plays comes in this this week, guys. Uh, it's a big it's a big deal in the Duffy household. I've uh, dubbed this the all hands on deck game uh, in the house. That means that I will need to be not disturbed from 7.30 up until 10 o'clock. So that means everyone tweet him. Yeah, yes. no, don't, because I will not respond to you, and I will probably give you an angry face in a private message. Uh, I will be, un- con- I, I, depending on what happens, uh, if it's as good as the USC game where they you know, had that huge upset, I will be happy and singing praise and dancing. And if it's as bad as the Clemson game, two years ago was, or the Alabama National Championship game in 12, uh, I will be unconsolable. So don't even bother trying to reach out to me because I'm okay, but I'm in no shape, condition, or way of talking. Tale, so, a little bit of a tale of the tape. The game is taking place uh, this Saturday, as Coach Duffy mentioned, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. Number one Clemson, who's 7-0, 6-0 in conference, going up against the number four Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who are 6-0, 5-0 in conference. Currently, as we record, uh, the spread is Clemson by 5.5, yep. with the over-under at 51.5. Somebody may or may not be waiting or hoping that that line jumps to 7. Not going to name names. 
his nickname starts with C and ends in Oach. First name S ends in Han. Not saying me, just saying I know a guy. I think he might be waiting. Sitting, I think he might be sitting ninety degrees to my left. Maybe, might not be. Might be wearing red. Might not. Just saying, hoping for the line to get to seven. Gonna jump on that if it does. Might be a Giants uh, fan. Might be a Giants fan. Might be a big Irish fan. Jump in on the line if it gets to seven. Five and a half. I'm a little more tentative. Not me. My friend. He's a little more tentative. Seven. I'm jumping on. Five and a half. Not so much. Uh, but I really do like this matchup. Obviously, you know, I would uh, much rather it be with Trevor Lawrence in the lineup. You know, so that way, if Notre Dame did win, there isn't the bullshit asterisk of, well, you did it without the best player in the nation playing. So that will suck. But all things considered, they're going to have to play them again uh, in the ACC uh, championship game and maybe even inevitably another playoff game. So all that chips land where they are. You know, it is what it is. Trevor Lawrence, you know, you're out. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Best of luck. Hope you stay healthy. Go to the Giants next year. All things considered, let's go Irish. Here, cheer. At Coach Stuffy 11 before the game, though. At, up, definitely hit him up. You can talk to me up until 729, and then I will be off the radar. Yes, yeah, so I'm not even going to try attempting to talk to you via Twitch. No, I won't even, ha- I won't even have my phone. I won't even have my phone near me. Nope, I'm I'm not even going to So don't even try and say how I like the AEW show cuz first off, no, and secondly, no no. Yes, I'm avoiding this, but we are uh, definitely going to talk about that because we're going to be live reacting on twitch.tv/607podcast this weekend for AEW Full Gear. This is their third pay-per-view of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Or, Something like or that. Or fourth, actually, because I forgot. They have Revolution that kicks off in February, then Double or Nothing, then All Out, and then now we are here at Full Gear. This card on paper, though, it does not look the worst. No. Mm-hmm. I, but we'll break it down a little bit. So, Pat? Yeah, so if, uh, go, going for the AEW World Championship, you have John Moxley taking on Eddie Kingston. In an I Quit match. Ooh. So that's your main event right then and there. Oof. Uh, I, I'm hoping for... Eddie Kingston to pull off the big upset because John Moxley has done absolutely nothing with this uh, since he's won the belt. Facts. So uh, save us Eddie Kingston because nobody, and I mean nobody in that company, goes anywhere near him with a mic. Double, yeah. double knockout with Miz cashing in. Oh, if, 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 <laughs> if, Swerve. If, if only, though. Exactly. But that is your main event. So yep. any any other predictions, thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I, I would love to see Eddie uh, get a win. I think it would be, uh, you know, spoke in the fire for, you know, especially the AEW uh, fans that they try to approach, you know, because uh, Eddie Kingston, uh, an internet darling, so to speak. So I think that would definitely spoke some fire uh, for, you know, some buzzworthiness for AEW. Um, but also it's hard to imagine that they would pull the trigger on a pay-per-view, uh, giving it to Kingston when he's only been with the company for about three months. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm just I'm keeping my fingers crossed because I just Moxley as champ is doing absolutely nothing for me. I'm sure. sorry. Yeah. Uh, then you've got for the AEW World Tag Team Championship, you have FTR taking on the Young Bucks. This would have been great f- about five years ago. Yep. Uh-huh. But the buildup for this has been weird, weird, and, yep. and 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 pitiful. Like I'm sorry. For this match, you're relying on the fact that everybody is remembering how hot this feud was on the internet five yeah. years ago. Five years ago when we're talking the Young Bucks or New Japan and ROH, and you had the FTR being the revival. And the and the cream of the crop in NXT and having putting on great matches with a ton of great tag teams. Yeah, so now you come into this. The Bucks have been acting like heels, so it's like heel versus heel, which is kind of a weird thing yeah, to see. Yeah, you, you put Tully with 
FTR just to try and slap the four horsemen thing onto them, which WWE definitely doesn't tie legends to wrestlers for random reasons. Right. Yeah. That's definitely not something WWE would do, but you know, here we are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tully got tied to FTR for no reason while he's still managing, uh, Sean Spears, Sean Spears, which they're not even a faction. He's just managing both of them weird, but whatever. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah, this one also has a stipulation: if the Bucks lose, they will never challenge for the oh tag team God. titles. Oh my God! How many how many times are they going to use that? Exactly. How many yeah. times are they going to use that stipulation? Yeah. So this just in: the Bucks uh, are losing. AEW TNT tag team titles coming. Hey, I mean, listen, yeah, right, yeah, to get them. Uh, no, best uh, uh, the being the elite tag teams yeah. coming in. Oh, uh, YouTube tag team championship coming. Oh Christ! Yeah, so this one. I- like I say, I, I wish I could be more excited for it, but the buildup has been absolutely awful. I sure. will say, though, the FTR Twitter has been amazing. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I will give them that. No, right. I will give them that. Yeah. So, hey, FTR, great job on Twitter, guys. Yeah, but I, I will say this one. Top shelf. This one's got to be the Bucks, and I, 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 I say this very reluctantly. I'm hoping FTR. I hope up. FTR wins just so we can get the YouTube Tag Team Championships. Yeah. Yeah. Facts. Pat, ain't feeling? No. Pat just yawned so loud that his head, literally his jaw separated and i saw into his lungs that's how that's how bad he views the show uh-huh fair enough next up you for the tnt championship you have cody rhodes taking on darby allen Again. super Again. great yeah. yeah so i'm reading the preview on cagesideseats.com uh quote there is no present story here <laughs> yeah no it's legit it goes on to say the match is relying is relying on their past encounters as a selling point the first one went the distance to a draw cody won the next two matches to make it two zero and one in his favor let me break this down they had the chance to have orange cassidy in this hashtag wins matter yeah and they Rankings. had they had this atrocious lumberjack match yeah which made no sense whatsoever hey it, remember luke harper yeah yeah pepperidge farms does Wow. Facts. Wow. Just saying. So that being said, like, they completely dropped the ball with this. Cody won in a squ- – like, it felt like a squash to me. Like, it didn't even feel like Orange Guy is, is fair due. No. So thus, they've been teasing this whole uh, Darby feud, and he's been sitting in the rafters. Like, look, I'd love to see this go a different way, but this is going to be same old stuff, and I just Co- – Cody's winning, and then you just burnt a good opportunity on a pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, this is one of the problems that we have with AEW. So, I mean, I know we're sounding a little critical about it, but let us be honest. We call it fair and down the no, middle. No, my problem, my critique is you call a spade a spade. Yeah. If you're going to sit here and say you don't do WWE shit, and then you do WWE shit – I'm gonna be hip. I'm gonna be super hip, uh, uh, critical of your product, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what this is. WWE doesn't try to say they're not AEW. They just say we're WWE. Yeah. If you want to be AEW, then be AEW. Yeah. Don't be, be fucking WWE light, which is exactly what they're doing right now. Yeah, and they're doing it all wrong. This feels booking like- a random Darby Allen versus Cody match for a belt just so you get Cody on the show makes no sense to me. And oh, and so you get Darby on the show makes no sense to me. No. Yeah. Next up, though. Uh, for the AEW Women's World Championship, you have Hikaru Shida taking on Nyla Rose. All right, and the buildup for this was a five-minute interview segment. Oh, so Super. Again, Great. again, reading from cagesideseats.com, Rose wants Shida, and Shida wants Rose. Yeah. So this is the thing. Like, they run limited pay-per-views, right? WWE has a pay-per-view once a month. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. storylines can be very difficult. Yeah. When you have pay-per-views once every quarter, 
Doesn't that give you time to build the shit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And just want to make sure. And their women's division, they have done absolutely nothing with. Nope. It's a it's a disservice to the talented roster on there. Sure. Because honestly, you have to go search for them on the YouTube shows. And I know there was there was some folks critical online about that fact because I think they put out a preview or somebody put together a preview like all the match cards they had for their go home show before uh, this pay per view. Not a single woman was featured on, yeah. on that card. Yeah, it's 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 embarrassing. Like it, that, the fact that they dropped the ball so much with this division, that the builder for this was like literally a five. I'll I'll say maybe a ten minute interview segment, but it was like how it came across was like you literally just threw the stare to say you did it. Yeah, and yeah. It's a disservice to them, and this is something that AEW has not fixed since their inception. And like honestly, if they start losing free agents to this. I wouldn't blame them. I'd say go to go to Impact or go to WWE. Yeah. yeah. Because you know what? Those two organizations know how to do women's wrestling and know how to do it right. Mm-hmm. So that being said, I'm going to say Sheeta because sure, you know what? Yeah. There's no build to this, so why yeah. not? Uh, Swerve, Carmelo will come in and win. <laughs> well, yeah, the whole like uh, Emelina gimmick now is no, hers. AJ and, Lee. Yeah. Calling yeah. it now. AJ Lee. Yeah. Well, it would be something. At least it'd be a, a fresh face on the show. Yeah. Uh, ne- next, you have Hangman Page taking on Kenny Omega. Okay. So they broke up the tag team finally. Right. And now they've had the tournament for the number one contender for the AEW championship. Which was obviously setting up these two. Yeah. These, painfully obvious. Yeah, they've set this <laughs> up from the jump. So this is going to be interesting how this plays out. Uh, I think this is going to be the match of the night, to be honest oh, with you. Oh, for sure. These two will put on a hell of a match. And I think this is going to be Kenny Omega all day. Okay. I think I that don't he, disagree with you. I he, mean, he has a whole new intro. Yeah, the story goes, is Kenny's rebirth, right? I mean, yeah. that is the, the cleaner's back. Yeah. So, like I said. Year say, of Omega. With the, with that right, much, Year of Omega. Right, yeah. fuck, yeah, Year of Omega. Yeah, they're, they're completely signed off for it. So they've already telegraphed this. I would like Ooh. to see him do a switch, but I already see. I'm predicting five stars. <laughs> I'll say seven minivans. Five, uh, five. St- I already, I can see it already. The match they've had so many botches, but the story is so good. Five stars. Yeah, it could be, but like I said, this is gonna be Kenny Omega all day. Pat, any feelings? Uh, nine piss breaks. Fair enough. <laughs> wow. Kid is not holding back. Nope. Next up. Uh, Chris Jericho versus MJF. No word if song and dance will be involved. No word if I give a shit. You I, know, I certainly don't. The whole thing about this is you said you weren't going to do any hokey shit, and yet... Hokey. How else do you describe the Frank thick. Sinatra se- segment? Lane thick. Yeah. Thick. So now this is a whole thing about if MJF wins, he's in the inner circle because he needs to be in a faction to succeed. No, he doesn't, but I digress. Yeah, so this is going to be something. I say MJF wins because somebody in the inner circle turns on Jericho, Ooh. and this Jericho leaves. because well, it's, it's also about time for Jericho to take yeah, it his, is his almost, usual absence. Yeah, it is almost Jericho's sabbatical time where yeah. he gets ready. You know, Usually usually, usually it's a tour, but since he can't tour right now, it's probably going to be to work on a new CD. Yeah. Well, you know, he you know, performed before. He might do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last match on the main card, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Um, I, I'm just hoping that Matt is healthy. <laughs> I hope Matt survives. Yeah. Hopefully Sammy doesn't actually try to kill him and remembers that, you know, it's a working relationship and you got to give and take a little bit. Yeah. So Oof. I this Oof. one, I, I honestly, I, I don't even care about. Yeah. I wish I could say so. I mean, other than this match, I think the rest of the card is good for AEW. All right. Which, I will, I, I, much. which is what it is. But I think that your Chris Jericho match will be good. I think your Hangman versus Kenny Omega will be great. I think that 
your tag team match with the Bucks and FTR, they're going to step it up and they'll do some really indie stuff. Sure. Just because this is the match everybody's been waiting for. Everything else on the card is okay. That I'm just hoping maybe I'll get some surprises. I'm just hypercritical for the reasons that I stated earlier. Yeah, that's all. as you should be. Yeah. Because, you know, for being the alternative product, they're, they're churning out WCW. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Or bad WWE. I mean, however you want to define it. Either way, they're doing it. So the fight is taking place this weekend. Like we said, BR Live, Fight TV. I'm not sure if it's doing that just in overseas or not. Uh, Saturday night, obviously, we will be doing this live on twitch.tv slash 607podcast, doing a live reaction, Rich and myself. And we're going to be deep diving into it a, a little bit more on hashtag 607TWS this Thursday night, Eastern Standard Time of 8 p.m. So definitely tune in, drop a follow. And join in on the conversation. So let's wrap this show up with our locks and leaps. Pad, lead us off. Uh, first off, I'm going to be looking at probably the one I think we're all going to be looking at. Uh, that being the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Currently, Pittsburgh is a 13.5 point favorite. Agreed. In, in Dallas, want to note, uh, this is just the second time in Dallas's history that they are double-digit home underdogs in the Super Bowl era. Sure. It's only only second time it's happened. Uh, and then for my leap, I'm going to be looking at the Oakland Ra- or, uh, you know, I'll stick with it. Oakland Raiders taking on the LA Chargers. Currently, the LA Chargers are a one and a half point favorite, but I think division game, Oakland's been playing good of late. I think the Raiders are going to win. Fair enough. I agree on that lock. We're going to go with uh, Pittsburgh as well. Uh, and my leap is going to be Notre Dame. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'll, my, give you, I'll give you a bonus. My, one. My, my leap is, uh, Pat, I'm sorry, but I think this is the game the Jets win. Whoa. Seven-point dogs at Whoa. home against the Patriots. It's on my birthday. They better not lose. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sorry that I've wished this ill upon you, but there's something I, I have this feeling in this, and I wanted to go Thursday night game again because Green Bay is decimated with injuries. The 49ers, however, are the same. So I wanted to avoid that. I just There's this feeling that I have right now that there is going to be one slip-up and the Jets are going to win one game. And I feel like if it is one game, it has to be this game. I agree with you. No! Um, but I'm not taking that. No! no, I can't do that. All right. I can't do that willingly because, you know, they'll find a way to tank. Sure. I want to say Hey, this. listen, I get it. Yeah, so you I, got I, me really excited, though. Yeah, it's like, no. all right. No, no. Way. Dare I say, have we ever had a tr- a lock that all three of us agreed on? It's probably happened. At least I once. think it's happened once. But is that a is that an uh, are we whoa, are we doing that? Are we doing an agreement here? Why not? Let's go, oh! let's let's do it. You know, I honestly I was debating about our this locks and leap segment is going to be real quick next week, guys. Yeah, yeah it will be definitely quick with that because I was debating about taking the Chargers to be honest with you because oh. because they're only one uh, a point favorite. Yeah, is, but uh, you know what? But they can't hold a lead. They can't hold a one-point lead. It doesn't yeah. matter who's quarterback. It doesn't. So uh, let's roll those dice with Pittsburgh. 13 okay. and a half favorite. And for my leap, I got to circle them wagons. Oh, oh he's finally going to do it. Yep, I am going to do it. I'm going to roll the dice. Maybe I'll. Maybe Leslie Frazier is listening to me up in Buffalo. Doubt it. Switch up the defensive scheme. He won't. Triple team DJ Metcalf. He won't. Definitely, he better. Yeah, uh, the Bills are three-point dogs, which is absurd to me. At home? Yeah. Ooh, that's disrespectful. Yeah, so maybe this will motivate the guys. I don't know. It like, won't. Uh, it, you know what? It's going to be a long day. Like I said, it's going to be in the range of like 47, 41. So. Which is all right because I got Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf on my fantasy yeah, team. Yeah, so this will be a nice uh, fantasy do whatever, makeup. Do whatever they want. This will be a nice fantasy makeup, but I'm going to take the Bills because why not? Let's 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 have a little uh, fun here, shall we say. 
So that all being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf of Fair City Fire, who is doing a lot of things on his Patreon. You can definitely check out the links at ochoduroparlayhour.com slash music and find out about all the other bands you hear on the ODPH network, such as Shout at the Robots, Floodlands, Tom Jolu, and Second Suitor, and so many more. You can also check out the ODPH directory where you can find friends of the show. You can also find organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter and all the amazing pod groups that we are in via their pod chaser pages. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion of Independent Podcast. Yes, shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Apocalypse. And shout out to Hashtag Seven Podcast. Rich, Ron, Mike C, and Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter. Still doing his thing. A lot of stuff is going on at 8122productions.com. So you definitely pop over there and check it out. And so much more you can find only at one-stop shop. That is the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour website, OchoDuroParlayHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and go Irish. For the one only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. See you next time.